Cheese. Recorded live. That's good. Scott is on. Who else is there? All right. Yeah, so Gus took over the board. So, so Gus has got the board. Hey, Gus, you there? Yeah, I just want to see if Gus is here yet. I see him on the board. Oh, he is? He's, he's oh. on the board? Oh, he just disappeared off the board. Oh, wow. As soon as I said, maybe he's having troubles logging in. Yeah, no, I, like I said, I uh, I just shut my computer down because I set off. It's like a struggle for who gets the board in the hand if my computer stays on, so I got to shut it off. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. I just want to make sure my volume didn't go down. But no, like I said, I wasn't going to talk for too long. I just want to tell everybody like what was going on. A lot of good stuff is going on. I hope that Jeremy guy, uh, or Jeffrey, whatever the hell his name is, I hope he's listening. Oh, even if he doesn't, even if he's not listening right now, listen later on. Go <laughs> back up. Yeah, Gus is back up. Yeah. Hey, can you hear me, Gus? He's muted. Yeah, I'll wait for him to unmute himself because um, I talked to him during the week. So, um, I figured he would, um, he's been keeping up with the story pretty well. Hey there, Gus. Hey, Gus. Oh, he disappeared. He's been going on and off. Really? Yeah, that's weird. Oh, he's back on. Yeah, I don't know what kind of uh, internet speed he has out there. But anyway, uh, like I said, uh, let me see. Hey, you know what? I call him up on my phone. That's what I could do. <laughs> I do that stuff all the time. Let me do that. Let me call him up on the phone. Therefore. I was telling my son today how you do that. We were listening to you in my truck. Hey, let me see if I can do it this way. Let me call him up on my phone. Hey, I'm trying to get on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're on now. I know I'm on now. I heard you telling everybody you were going to call me. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you're on now, man, so it don't matter. <laughs> all right. I've got to bother. You know, I don't bother trying to do all that nonsense. I don't want to talk that long for anyway. It's a Thursday night. You know, I'm not going to talk that long. I'll, I'll save it for Saturday because I have a couple of good people coming up here from, uh, oh, you were talking to them, Paul, and then the man who owns the helicopter company, and they're trying to put a, they have, like, mach, you know, machine guns on there and have silencers and all of that good stuff from Grand Jury. And I had a really good talk with his son today, and uh, and his son was like, wow, man, I wish I'd talked to you before I went to the Grand Jury today. I said, yeah, I was trying to teach your dad. I said, but a lot of times it's hard to uh, convey it from, like, from me to somebody else to, you know, to somebody else. And sometimes, like I said, I talked to his son, and, you know, I don't know, I'm pretty good at getting it at a level that, a, like, a 20-year-old would understand. And, um, I don't know, maybe just a good storyteller. I don't know. But the kid was like, wow, that's, that's, that's an easy way to understand it. I said, well, I said, you got to live it, you know, to understand what a trust is. So, um. You know, like I said, I have a lot of Italian uncles, and I don't have a drop of Italian in me. 
and uh, you learn real young in life, it's a family. And uh, you don't say nothing to nobody. You keep your mouth shut. And I don't give a damn what the government tries to threaten you with. <laughs> you open your mouth, you're going to have a lot more problems than any government could ever even imagine. You could have with the government giving you three hots and a cot. You're going to have a lot more problems if you open your mouth. You think you're going to walk back out on that street? That ain't going to happen. You might as well just take your three hots and a cot and wait for somebody to come and get you out of there. You shut your mouth. So, uh, yeah, I was trying to explain that to him. <clears throat> the best way I could explain it to him, like, you know, like your, your mom and dad trust you, and you trust your mom and dad. And if you start, rap, rap, you know, running your lips to everybody who talks to you because you've got a freaking badge, your mom and dad are going to clam up. Your mom and dad aren't going to talk to you anymore. Your mom and dad aren't going to trust you with certain information. You, you know, your family is going to basically uh, collapse because nobody's going to trust each other. And everybody's going to be afraid and say, well, you know, they might threaten to put my son in jail if he doesn't cooperate. So, uh, you know what, I'll, uh, I just won't get my son involved with this anymore. You know, I'll uh, either hire strangers or do it all myself. Yeah, they're going to try to destroy the family business. No, that ain't going to happen. I tried to explain to his son. I said, look, that's my dad, you know, and I, you know, and I have a trust relationship with my dad, and I trust him and he trusts me. And there's certain things I don't want him to tell about me, and there's certain things I'm not going to tell about him. You know, and if you want me to talk about him, he's got to be sitting in this room with me right now. And uh, if you want to question me, I'm going to run the question by him first. I'm going to say, Dad, do you want me, do you want me to give him an answer to that, or you're not comfortable with me answering that? But, you know, and I'm going to do what my dad says. And it's that simple. I said, uh, the government knows it's unethical, immoral, and it's wrong to try to enter into a trust. It's They know it's wrong. I mean, they know. It's not. It's it's the worst thing you can do. They try to break it down to trust, and uh, they're going to try to do it anyway because they want to manipulate the situation for their own gains. And they will totally respect you if you explain it to them quite, you know, succinctly that there's no way in the world you're going to breach this trust between me and that man over there. We have an agreement. We have a trust, and nobody's going to get between it. And I said to the kid, "What's the worst that the government can do? They're going to say to you, well." If you don't cooperate with us, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, you hear them start with any of this, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, right there, they're leading themselves right into it, uh, 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 leading themselves right into uh, committing extortion. So just let them say, if you don't, if I don't, what? Go ahead, fill in the blank with any damn thing. Anything after if I don't, it's going to be considered extortion. Because they're not going to say, if you don't, we're going to give you Oh, we'll give you a ham sandwich. No, they're not going to say that. They're going to say, if you don't do it, we're going to put you in jail. If you don't do it, we're going to hold you in the court. If you don't do it, we're going to do this to you. Really, you in particular, or we are going to do this to you? Who's, who's going to do it to me? Bob is going to do this to me? Are you threatening me, Bob? Did you just tell me that if I don't do something, you're going to threaten me, Bob? You're going to stand there in front of the, or everybody here in this grand jury who's going to bear witness that you just committed extortion? You realize what we're, what we're at, Bob? Do you realize you just committed extortion, Bob? Do you realize you just, uh, you know, threatened me in front of all these fine folks? Do you understand what you just did? Oh, well, this is a court proceeding. No, 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 Bob. This, this, I don't care what you call it. You call it whatever the hell you want to call it. Did you just threaten me? Did you just say if you don't do this, you know, this is going to happen to me? This is going to happen to me. Though, you know, you're going to be in contempt of court. Who's court? Who, who's the man who's running this court? Whose court is this? I want to know the name of the man. No, not a judge, not an attorney. I want to know the name of the man who's running this court. 
and who just threatened me? I said to the kid, you know, I tried to explain it to him, you know, I'm probably sitting by now. I explained it to him as many different examples as I could give him, you know. But uh, it would have been a really good uh, kid to have on this show and have me go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with what I was doing with him to try to get him to understand where this trust relationship comes from. And everybody knows in the universe that there needs to be trust. Without trust, there's a total breakdown of society. So uh, they're trying to have a total breakdown of your family and tell your family's business. They said, man, you basically tell them to go pound salt and say it in a really nice way. I said, but uh, they have no authority. They know they can't do it. They know there's no way that they can force you to uh, tell your own people, your own family, your own kind. I guarantee there's all kinds of um, Geneva Convention rules about that. I guarantee there's all kinds of rules and you can't waterboard somebody. You can't torture somebody. You can't make them tell, you know, where uh, your family's located, where the... Where your general is located, where uh, your unit is located, where your troops are located. I'm sure there's all kinds of rules of engagement that you can't pick this body to get information out of them. You can't fight them, you can't torture them. If they don't want to cooperate, I'm sure they can say, look, just take me to a holding cell. Just, I'm a prisoner of war. And just let me be. Let me just do my time until the war's over. You know, I'm sure there's all kinds of ways that uh, they even do that for uh, wartime activity. You know, you can't waterboard, you can't do all this crazy shit. You know, but people who are unethical and moral and uh, evil people are just going to do uh, what they feel is justified. They say, well, we're justified to do this to you. Oh, really? Well, hmm, you took my kid for six years, and he took, and he took two more kids. And uh, could if I went through that defense and said it was self-help, and could if I just went with a blaze of glory and got my kids because I know they were stolen, and now everybody in the world knows they were stolen? Would, would have that justified, you know, me going in there, you know, in the blaze of glory and getting them out? What would have that, what, what that proved? So it worked out much better this way. Because like I say to these social service ladies, it was pretty funny. I said, yeah, you might have guns, you know, and you might have, you know, SWAT teams and, you know, sheriff's departments, and you might have, you know, mad dogs. And I, mean, I said, I got a paper and I got a pen full of ink. I said, let's see who's going to win. You with all your guns? with me, with a piece of paper and a pencil of ink. Let's see how this is going to work out. And it's kind of funny, you know, because these are women. And they're, they're like, oh, you do this, we're going to do this, you do this, you do this. Oh, what, you, you're threatening me? You're going to send cops after me? You're going to shoot me? You know, they'll put me in shackles and chains, going to throw me in jail? Hmm. I thought you were women. Oh, really? Hmm. I guess the power got to your head, huh? Well, you know what? I'm a man. You're looking at men, and guess what I got? I got a piece of paper. I got pen and ink. Who do you think is going to win? You think your, your, your threats and your guns and your jail and, you know, sheriff's departments and dogs chasing me, you, you think that's that's the answer? You think that's going to, you know, show that you're right and I'm wrong? Is that what you believe? I tried to warn them. I tried to warn them before they took my kids. I tried to warn them. I said, you women have no clue what you're doing. I said, you have no idea what the hell happened in Alabama. You are clueless. I said, what do you people believe is that something happened in Alabama. Something must have happened. The mom had drugs in the system and the baby's taken at birth. Uh, the mom and dad must have been some notorious outlaw gang members or something. <clears throat> there must have been something evil with the mom and the dad. There must have been something wrong with the mom and the dad for the state of Alabama to step in <laughs> and take the baby at birth. There must have been something, something there. 
I said to you, I said to them, I gave him a warning. I went down, I talked to them all. I talked to the county, the, the man in charge of the county. I thought he's called the commissioner. I talked to the attorney for the, the county. I talked to the head director of uh, the, the, the whole, you know, the Shenandoah Valley, you know, where we live here, the director. And I explained to them, I said, you're not going to understand what's going on. And you're not going to believe when you, when you see what happens next. I said, but you're not going to believe it. I said, I'm giving you fair warning. I said, I've never lost custody of my kids. I have to explain this to you. I said, Alabama had three choices. They could tell the truth and say they kidnapped my kids. They could lie and say that we lost the children due to abuse and neglect. The only problem if they said abuse and neglect, what they would have to do then is they would have to get somebody to, to lie and make up a Trump charge, make up some bullshit um, allegation of doing wrong. Then they would have to turn it over to the social services. Then social services would have to turn it over to the sheriff's department. Then the sheriff's department would have to come and arrest me and the wife. Then they'd have to book us, fingerprint us, and photograph us. I said, in all this time, if this is what they wanted to do, if they wished to fake an abuse and a neglect report, or if you fake an abuse and neglect charges, then after they got us in the sheriff's department, they would have to book us. After they booked us, then they would have to get us before a magistrate. Then they would have to bond us or bail us. And then they would have had to convince somebody to lie and, and at the county prosecutor's office and, and file charges on us. And then they would have to take the county prosecutor would have had to convince somebody to lie to the court clerk, and the court clerk would have to post and post stamp um, the charges. And then they would have had to run a trial. And then they would have had to get a judge to swear that this was the ruling of the court. So to say that me and my wife had done something illegal, I warned the social workers and I warned the county commissioner. I warned them. I warned the sheriff. I warned them all. For them to say that me and my wife had legally lost custody, do you understand everything that would have to fall in place for us to legally lose custody? We'd have to, there'd have to be a call. We'd have to have been investigated. We would have been arrested, booked, processed, bailed, charged, a case file created. A day in court, judgment day, sentencing, and then we would have legally lost our kids. I said, do you understand the process it would take to legally lose our kids? It's tremendous. Or, that's the second option. The first option is tell the truth, which they weren't going to do. Just say, well, you know, we stole kids with a lot of money, and we figured call would go away. He was a down day. We told him he's deaf, dumb, and blind, and crippled. Call, you know, we were told that a call had to impair court. He'd run like hell because he's on America's most wanted. That's what we were led to believe. That call was a horrible evil man. That he'd never show up. Well, then they're trying to get to get him legally removed from us. What a hell of a process! Because parents have all kinds of rights to cross-examine witnesses. All you know, they were had to make up such a paper trail and have so many people involved with legally losing custody of those kids. It would have been a nightmare for them to backtrack everything and try to cross the eyes and dot all the teeth. It would it would have been a nightmare. The third way they could do it is just say there's a contract. To say there's a contract between the, the mom and the dad to place the children voluntarily within the Department of Services. Services. You know, that's exactly what it says on their appellate reply brief. I wonder if anybody get, can get access to that appellate reply brief. I wonder if that's open. I'm sure it is. I'm sure that would be open. I'm not, I don't think it would be considered family. So that was um, the appellate reply brief was submitted by Social Services. No, I don't know if Social Services. Yeah, Social Services. You know, the Attorney General's Office did it for them on 
June, because I got my copy on July 2nd. So it must have been June 30th when they submitted this to the Alabama uh, Supreme Court up there. The appellate court up there in, in uh, Montgomery. I'm not sure what the case number is. But if somebody didn't get access to that, you could research it. And you could actually see on the very first page of the appellate reply brief, it says, due to an voluntary placement agreement between the parties, the mother and father, with along with the Alabama State, the State of Alabama's Department of Human Resources, voluntarily placed the children into the state's custody. Or it, not, not the state's custody, voluntarily placed the children into, um, I think, a foster care division, something like that. I don't, I'm not saying that's verbatim exactly what the first paragraph says, but as soon as I seen it, I laughed. I said, holy cow, they're going with the old agreement. Holy shit, this is going to be fun. Because now there's got to be a contract somewhere. So down at the very bottom, page three, it says the, the signature of the mother can be found, and then on top of page four it says, on page 42 of the case file. And then, obviously, that's not her signature. Some little old lady's name. It's not the, the mom's name. said, hallelujah, sweet Jesus. It is this 80-year-old lady signature. Oh, my God, this is too much fun. And that, that was one of the happiest days I ever had. It was July 2nd of 2008. No, that was, that was amazing. It was an amazing day. And, um, no, 2009. Sorry about that. July 2nd, 2009. And, uh, so I tried to warn the people down here in Virginia, up here in Virginia, kind of warn them. I said, my mom doesn't have legal custody. And all the two weeks before this, before this day, and they were all blowing me off. They said, look, the only reason why you're even here in court is that you're the dad, and we're giving you the decency of being here. But, you know, we don't have to talk to you, and you got a real bad attitude, and you know what, honestly, we don't like you, and you're getting on our nerves. And I was like, look, you just don't know the law. And honestly, you have no idea who's got lawful and legal custody of those kids. They hear them a freaking club, do you? You think it's my mom, don't you? You think something happened bad in Alabama. You haven't read the case file. Why? Because I guarantee you ain't never going to get your hands on a case file. Nobody's going to get their hands on that case file. You know what it took me to get a copy of that case file? Huh. I had to get the, uh, um, uh, what was his name? William Owens. Not William Owens was the judge. Uh, the man who retired. The man who t- I forgot who the man who retired. John Wilkinson Jr. He was the head clerk, and uh, he gave it to me. He sent it to me, and he emailed it to me. I said, "Hey, wait a second. I thought that's illegal to email a uh, child's case file over the internet." He says, "You're damn right, it's illegal." I said, "Wait a second. You've been doing this uh, for like uh, 30 years. What are you crazy?" He says, uh, "Oh, he says you have no idea what I'm reading in this case file." He says, "Anybody wants to give me any, you know, crap what I'm doing?" You know, I'll, I'll tell him exactly what I see, and I'll tell him exactly why I emailed it. And he said, I'll email it to you or to anybody on planet Earth you want to mail it to. I said, well, that's illegal. He says, you're damn right it's illegal. He said, but what I'm reading here is obscene. I said, it's that bad? He says, kid, well, he's like, this is crazy. You're never going to believe what I'm reading. He said, oh, I'll give you a copy of that case. Well, you ain't going to believe what's in here. He said, this is outrageous. He said, I've never seen nothing like this. He said, I teach law clerking school down here in a university, law university down here. He said, I couldn't get my students to do make a case file this ridiculous. He says, we could try to make a case file this ridiculous, but we wouldn't even have that imagination to make it this crazy. <laughs> you know, it was funny. He said, the contract should be on page, like, one or two, not page 40, 41, 42. He says to me, hey, buddy, you know where the first court order is? I said, uh, page eight and nine? He says, no. It's a two-. He said, you're right, it's a two-page court order. He said, but the first page is on page... Uh, 
uh, 41. The second page is on page 72. He says, why is it separated? Like, like 30-some pages? Of, I don't have a clue. They're supposed to be, like, right next to each other in sequential order. It should be in chronological order. He says, he says what's the word order on page 8 and 9? He says, that's the second court order. In the second quarter, he says, I said, what's, what's with page three, four, and five? He said, yeah, that's your mom's flight itinerary in 2005. Said, he said, we're supposed to be in 2001 still on page three, four, and five. He says, he says I'm telling you, man, this, I've never seen that. He's like, they just took the case finally and threw it up in the air, and they just put all the pieces, however, that landed, and put it into a case file. He says, nobody's going to be able to figure out this case file. Nobody. He says, it's all over the place. I said, well, that's probably why they did it. So there's no way in the world it would take you a freaking, you know, month to put that case file together. He said, yeah. He says it took me all more. He took it home. He said Memorial Day weekend. You know, it took a three-day weekend. He said he took it home for Memorial Day weekend. He said, I finally found the first court order. <laughs> he said, I found both pieces of it. I said, that's, I said, he said, Dude, he's like, man, he said, this should have been, you know, like in the first, you know, two, three, four, five, six pages. The, the, the contract while the child's in there it should have been on page like page one or two. He said, "This is ridiculous." He said, "I've never seen nothing like this." He said, "This is crazy." So when I told the folks down here in Virginia for all this, they were like, "Dude, that's just like the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard." I said, "Okay, at your own peril. Good luck." So my mom comes to me this Monday, <laughs> and she had a meeting with them. And my mom, obviously, she's uh. <laughs> trying to get the kids and just get back to her normal routine, you know, have Christmas with the kids, Thanksgiving with the kids, you know, you know, throw call under the bus. You know, she's more into like, look, I just want to get the kids back. You know, call if you got to leave again, leave. But, you know, those kids got to get out of foster care. I said, no way. I said, those kids in foster care, that's fantastic. I said, because they don't remember what it was like when they were one, two, and well, they put the care the day they were born, you know, until they were four, five, six years old. They don't remember. I said, this is great. I said, there's no way in the world I could possibly tell these kids who are 11 years old now, 13 years old, what the horror it was like getting you kids out of foster care because you guys were just babies. You know, the one girl was four when they got her out and the other girl was uh, six, the boy was seven. I said, so it's impossible to explain to you guys. They said to my mom, it's going to be impossible to explain to the girls the sheer terror of the government coming to help you. And why you should run like hell, give them the finger, tell them to go, F off, fuck off. Tell the teachers, go fuck off. You know, just get away from me. You know, just teach me one plus one is two and A, B, and C, and that's it. I don't want to talk about anything else, you know. So when the kids come out now, they're going to be like, I don't want to talk about anything else, teacher. I, all I want you to do is teach me A, B, C. I just wanted you to tell me George Washington chopped down a church tree. I don't, if you talk to me about anything else, I'm going to tell my dad that he's going to own this school. And that's what I want to try to explain to the girls. Don't don't let anybody talk to you about anything other than here's a history book and read read the history book. If it ain't that damn history book, tell the teacher where, where where do you see that on what page? Don't 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 go for nothing other than what's in that damn book. Don't let them talk to you. Don't let them nothing. I said to my mom, I said when that kid comes out, I'm going to put a body cam on her. It's like the size of a cigarette pack. Better walk through school with a body cam on. I say, hey, it's for her protection and everybody else's protection around her. I said, I want to know exactly what the hell's going down and who the hell's telling my kid what, who's intercourse my kid and who's not. I said, I want to know exactly what the hell's going on in my kid's life. I'm going to be an involved parent. I said, you're going to better believe you're going to uh, act accordingly. And then uh, my mom came down here this uh, Monday and she's talking to me. She said, social services is really mad at me. 
I said, mad at you, Mom. Hmm. I know why. I said, but why don't you tell me why? She says, Carl, do I have legal custody of your kids? I said, fuck no. You thought you did? She said, yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, well. <laughs> I said, I tried to tell you. You don't. I said, I never lost legal custody of my kids. She said, yeah, that's what Virginia just told me. They're furious with me. I said, they're furious at your mom. Why? She said, because they gave me an attorney, a court-appointed attorney. They let me come to the um, hearings. They let me, they've been summoned me to court. She said, I'm not even allowed in that building. I said, that's right. I said, not without my permission, not without my wish for you to be there. I said, you have no legal standing in this matter. And they've been having you sign all kinds of papers saying, they're like, well, you know, let's get called thrown out of that, you know, off the off your farm. Let's get called a restraining order against call. Let's get called, you know, kicked off of here. Yeah, mom. I said, do you realize you're working with them? But do you realize you have no standing? And now they found out that you have no standing. And they've broken so many legal policies and codes to talk to somebody who has no legal standing. I said, Mom, you've got to petition the court to be a party to this case now. I said, and she said, yeah, they explained something like that. I said, right, you've got to get fingerprinted. You've got to get a background check. Your home's got to do a home study with your home. You're going to have to do a, uh, Frank's going to have to be fingerprinted. Everybody's going to go through bullshit again. I said, you guys got to go all through that crap again to be considered whether or not there should be placement with you and my children. I said, at any time, I could just say, nope, they're mine, and they're going to live with me. Have a nice day. Goodbye. And I could just get up and go, Mom. And it's not an effing thing you can do. She said, I said, Mom, you've been trying to work with these people because you thought legal was more powerful than lawful. I said, no. And that's what they're going to find at their peril as well. I said, Mom, I gave you lawful custody of my kids. And I kept saying that to them. And they kept sitting at these stupid conference tables with me saying, uh, sir, again, honestly, I don't know why we're really wasting our time talking to you because she's got legal custody of your children, and honestly, um, you're, you're basically wasting our time. And uh, honestly, we, you know, we honestly we just don't like you. And honestly, we don't want to talk to you anymore about this. I said, oh, really? When you find out I have legal and lawful custody of my kids, what are you going to do? They go like, yes, Mr. Lentz, whatever, whatever you are a little, you know, sovereign freeman, uh, crazy little mind believes. I said, yes, ma'am, you'll see. I ain't bullshitting you. I said, I've never lost legal or lawful custody of my kids. I placed them with my mom. Yeah, because I'm a man. I said, I'm supposed to be kicking the world in the ass. I'm supposed to be out there, you know, sailing around the world, making a ton of money, sending it back home. You know, I'm not supposed to be wiping noses and changing diapers. That's, that's not my job. I'm a man. I said, that's, that's not what a man does. A man goes out there and kicks the world in the ass. That's what a man does. I said, now, my, you know, if the, uh, we didn't have the ability to take care of them in Alabama. The wife got eight attorneys. I got nine. I said, huh, my wife spent over 50, 60 grand. I spent over 120, 130 grand. I was broke. I said, I was living in Guatemala. I was a little body shop eating garbage out of a can. I said, when I finally figured out all this nonsense and Alabama said, shit, we better give them back, I was broke. <laughs> I said, it took me years to get back on my feet. So what am I going to do in the meantime? Let the kids sit there and force the kids when they get back on my feet? Hell no. I gave them to my mom. I said, mom said, my mom said, there's no court order saying that the transfer of custody. I said, no. I said, mom, where did we do the transfer of custody? She's like, uh, Chuck E. Cheese. I said, that's right, Chuck E. Cheese. I said, unless Chuck E. Cheese, the mouse, has got some sort of legal, uh, you know, 
court order that he issues the kids as they come out of Chuck E. Cheese pizza parlor. I said, Mom, the only thing was there is a social service worker, the two kids, well, the three kids, you, me, and a fucking Chuck E. Cheese master rat. You know, other than that, did you see a judge somewhere? She was like, well, no, but I thought it was court-ordered. I said, Mom, if it was court-ordered, we'd be inside of the court. And how could a judge order some man to give away his children to somebody else? It, it can't be done. It was me and the woman, the, the mom, didn't do anything illegal. We were never charged with a wrong, oh, anything illegal. I said, so how could the court give it to somebody else? I said, Mom, it had to be a voluntary placement. I voluntarily, Alabama says, I voluntarily placed it with foster care division. I could have voluntarily placed my kid at birth with the Catholic Church. I could have voluntarily placed my child with a private institution. I could have placed, voluntarily placed my child since he had Downs with a public mental institution. Or I could have placed my child in the foster care division of the state. And that's what they chose to run with the lie. That's the lie they chose to run with. So of all the lies that they could have ran with, that was a pretty nice one for me to run with. I accepted that one. That was a cool one. I said, okay, voluntary placement? Hey, that's all right. They didn't say in the very first thing, the reason why Colin Mary's kid was taken away from him was uh, uh, sexual abuse. <clears throat> or producing child pornography with a two-day-old Downs boy who weighed two pounds, nine ounces. So they could have made up some ridiculous nonsense like that. And <clears throat> said so we were producing porn in the hospital with a two-pound, nine-ounce uh, nine uh, you know, Downs baby boy, but fortunately they didn't get that ridiculous. And, you know, fortunately, they didn't say there was drugs found in the child because they would have to figure out some way to get into the hospital and monkey with the medical records. So thank God, man. The, 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 the only thing they, they felt that they could go with is voluntary placement. That's why we got the kid. Okay, cool. Huh. Out of all the things you could have bullshit and lied about, if you're going to run with voluntary placement, hey, you know what? I'm fine with that. Because there's a lot more things you could accuse me of or charge me with or made up or bullshitted that it's a lot harder to get, you know, to deal with than somebody saying, oh, so you just voluntarily give your kids the state? That's what the state of Alabama says? Okay, they can believe whatever they want. They know and I know exactly what they did. You know, I wouldn't sign paperwork to get uh, Medicaid and Social Security for that kid. And it was going to be, uh, who knows how many hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because the kid only weighed two pounds, nine ounces. He was, gonna be, he was in that hospital for either four or five months. So the bill was going to be astronomical. So they want to make sure they want to get paid. And they were pissed. But I said, well, nah, I don't want to sign them up for Medicaid and, and Social Security. Just give me the bill and I'll pay for it. They said, do you have any freaking idea how much this bill's going to be? I said, ah, don't worry about it, man. I said, I, I'm, I, I know what money is. I'm worth, I, I'm, I'm a man. I'm worth, you know, great wealth. You know, all money comes from man. <laughs> they just gave me the bill. I know how to deal with a bill. My mom works with the IRS. I said, believe me, I know how to deal with a bill. And they're like, we want to get paid. I said, you'll get paid. Don't worry about it. I know. He's like, what do you do for a living? I said, that's none of your damn business. I said, but, you know, I as man, I, uh, I know how to pay a bill. That's easy. You know, like, how, well, are you going to pay this much money? I said, ma'am, don't you worry about it. When he's ready to be discharged, you just tend to be the bill, step aside, and I'm going to take him up to Virginia. He said, he's not going nowhere until you sign this paperwork. I said, ma'am, is that a threat? She said, we do it every day, Mr. Lentz. You are not taking that kid until we get paid. I said, oh, really? Is that what you think? She said, look, what's the problem? She said, uh, you'll get thirty-five, dollars $40,000 a year. And Medicaid, Social Security, to take care of your own kid. I said, ma'am, I don't want thirty-five, forty thousand dollars a year to take care of my own kid. She's like, what? I said, 
yeah, well, what are you guys going to get, 200 grand? You're going to give me 30 grand? I said, look, man, I know this is a racket. I know what you're doing. I said, I want no part of it. I said, I don't want no part of any federal funding. I don't want no money. I don't want no 35. I don't want no 40 grand. I just want my kid. I want to just be let alone. They said, well, why won't you take the money? I said, because there's always going to be a latch attached. They said, what do you mean? I said, you're going to want to step into my house every two months, six months, three months, two years. You people who want to get involved. I said, I don't want to be latched. I don't want to be burning. I don't want to make no agreements with you. I want to be able to get up and go anytime I want, anywhere I want. And he said, but that's a lot of money. He said, nobody's ever turned it down. I said, well, I don't know how to explain it to you, ma'am. I don't want it. I said, I make plenty of money. I don't want your damn money. I'll do fine. But the minute I want to get up and leave the state and go to another state with my kid, I'm going. I'm not going to get a consensus and a vote and then get a committee board to determine whether or not I can go with the kid or what the kid's going to be, you know, you know, on the other side of that state line with another state and placement policies and, you know, to make sure I get a home study done. No, that's that. Keep your freaking money. <laughs> just, it's not worth it. It's not worth jumping all your freaking hoops. I said, I, I know how you people work. I said, you know, I had kids back in the 90s. I said, you know, I, I'm not stupid. I know I know all the nonsense you people put people through. I, I'm not, I don't deal with you. Just keep your money. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth a headache. So like I said, they were, I said, they said, well, sir, you know, you know, when you come back here tomorrow, the kid won't be here. I said, if that kid ain't where I lied him today, I said, I'll own, I said, I'll own the state. I said, wait a second, the state. Uh oh, uh, ma'am, do you get a county check or you get a state check? They said we get state checks. I said, yes, thank God, because this county is bankrupt. I said, good, state. <laughs> I said, good, I'll own the state. I said, thank God you're not county employees. I said, because I'd get worried now <laughs> if you're a county employee. So now you're going to take my kid. You're going to take my kid. And I'm not going to get any, any compensation. I said, oh, boy. I said, that would really be brutal. I said, so you do as you wish. If you want to take that kid, you know what? you got the guns. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do to stop you. I said, but let me tell you what. i got a pen, and let me tell you what. I'm going to own the state by the time I'm done. I said, so do as you wish. And that's exactly what I said up here to Virginia when I said to those women. I said, look. I said, I know, I know your game book. I know what happened. Grandpa got arrested a couple of days ago, right? He got arrested on Saturday, and, like, today's Tuesday, right? You let the kids just go back and forth to school for a couple of days. Everybody's thinking everything's normal, hunky-dory. Well, you guys are going to panic, and you're going to think the kid's going to turn against you guys and not turn state's evidence against Grandpa. You're going to definitely take her into custody. I said, so let me tell you what. I don't think they would take the second one. I, kind of, I guarantee you to them they wouldn't take the first one. So let me tell you what. Let me make this crystal clear. You know, first I... Uh, when I walked into social services, they said, uh, I said who I was. They said, oh, yes, we heard about Grandpa. Yes, we already assigned you a caseworker. I talked to the receptionist lady. I said, ma'am, is Elizabeth Middleton here? She used to be the, the director. I said, uh, oh, oh, did she get, you know, she got transferred, didn't she? She was like, yeah, she got transferred. I said, yeah, she erased all those 911 emergency phone calls and didn't bother responding. I said, yeah, I heard about that. Um, you got a new director, don't you? They're like, yeah, Anita Harris, but you got a caseworker named Nanita. I said, no, 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 man, oh, ma'am, I, I need to talk to the as high up as I could go. And I said, oh yeah, that's the director. And they're like, oh yeah, you're the victim's father. He's like, yeah, so you're a victim too. Yeah, 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 right, alleged victim. Yeah, uh huh, great. I said, can you just go get the director for me, man? You know, I, I got a lot to do today. So she's like, oh yeah, not a problem. You know, she'll be glad to see you. Oh, yeah, I'm sure she'll be glad to see me. <laughs> so when they were going to get her. And I, they brought us into uh, the back area behind the door, behind like the bulletproof doors, <laughs> the social service building. 
<clears throat> and they said, uh, I said, can we have a room, ma'am, so I could say this? So it's crystal clear, so it's, you know, so you have no doubt about what I do, what I have to say. <clears throat> she says, oh, yeah, yeah. She said, we have all kinds of counseling for fathers, you know, and rape victims and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm sure you want to talk to somebody, and, you know, I'm sure you got a lot to say. And it's like, yeah, ma'am, I got a lot to say. We said, take about two minutes. I said, uh, she brought me into a room. I said, ma'am, do you have, uh, like, legal counsel in this building? I said, I know they're up the road a couple of miles. I said, but do you actually have, like, an attorney on call here, a legal competent counsel available? And she was like, well, no. I said, hmm, is there an assistant doctor around here? And she said, oh, yeah, it's Miss Don. I said, can you get her in here, too? So she bear witness what's going on. You know, I'm going to videotape. And I just want to make sure this is crystal clear, you know, to you that you have total understanding of what I'm about to say. And they're like, oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. And, you know, you know, you know, we got a full, uh, uh, you know, list of counselors you go talk to. And, you know, if you need medication to calm down from this tragic event. Yeah, 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 tragic, yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's freaking horrible. Yeah, right. Yeah, ma'am, can you just go get the assistant lady? And she went and got the assistant lady. <laughs> and I said, ma- I said, ladies, are you sure you don't want to come to the council here at this time? Are you, are you comfortable talking to me? And they're like, yeah, so fine. I said, okay, you know, I know you're trained professionals. So, yeah, let me, let me just explain something real simple. I said, here, just, you know, you know, like, like look here, ma'am. You know, like, look at me. I said, ma'am, like, look the right, right. And I said, um, I said, um, that which is mine, which I'd call my property, you could take it if you wish. You could do a legal seizure. You could do it lawfully. We could agree on the removal of the child. I said, or you could just flat out, you know, take and carry it off. I said, but as any man, I'm entitled to fair and just compensation when you have that which is mine and it's not yours. You'll either have to return it or compensate. Is that crystal clear? And they like looked at me. They're like, what? <laughs> like, what? It's like, I'm done. Is there anything you'd like to ask me? Did you just call them property? I said, oh, you betcha. I call them sunshine, honey boo boo, and rainbow blossom. And I call them all kinds of nonsense. You know, like, well, we don't call them property, so that's right. I do, you don't. You better not call them honey boo boo and rainbow blossom or palm behind. You better not call them any of that nonsense either. Now, without my consent, I said, so, if you wish to take them, take them. I said, but you're going to get fair compensation or you're going to return So, crystal clear. And I was just looking at me like, what the F are you? I mean, you could see that just like, what? Sir, do you have legal custody of those kids? I said, absolutely. No, I think your mom does. Well, I think you're in error. Well, you know what, sir? Honestly, we just let you in here because we thought you wanted to, like, work, you know, something out with, like, you know, crisis management and rape victims and, you know, don't you worry about your daughter? I said, of course I'm worried about my daughter. I'm worried about you people picking her up and stealing her and walking off with her and holding her until the trial's over in whatever kangaroo court that you guys are going to try to throw Frank into because she's not charged with a crime. And I know it. Because it's funny, like I said, and I say this to them, but I've seen this to people who listen to my show, you can go on the Internet and see that Frank Russo versus Michael Rohn, the cop, this case is active. You can see Frank Russo versus Brad Zinn, the newspaper writer, who hasn't wrote an article in two weeks since I went down to talk to the editor and filed a lawsuit against him. And he had a daily column every day, so why don't you guys go back track, you know, for years and years and years and see Brad's in. Had a daily column on the front page who explained the local arrests and nonsense like that. Court dealings every day. He's gone. Well, not maybe fully gone, but he's 
hasn't been there for two weeks because I made a nice little simple lawsuit. But you don't see Frank Russo anywhere in the court system. That's obscene. You can see Frank Russo, my little brother Frankie, versus the cops, little brother Frankie versus the newspaper guy, but you don't see Frank Russo versus the Commonwealth or Frank Russo versus my daughter or Frank Russo versus social services. You don't, you don't see it. It's not there. He's just being held on a warrant. And this is what I say to people. I, I'm trying to beam it to you guys out here. Because 99% of people listening to me are guys. I said, do you understand this could happen to you guys at any time? Do you understand the panic and the fear that was going on around here? If Vital isn't, you know, sucking up the Angela right now, if he was on a call, he could tell you, oh, we were all in a freaking panic over here. Everybody thought everybody was going down. My little brother Frankie thought he was going down. I thought, you know, they were going to say my mom was the ringleader. She was holding the camera. My little brother Frankie was the boom operator. You know, who knows? But everybody could get just picked up, swept up, and be held on warrants and have no charges filed against you, no bail, no bond, and this farm could just collapse. The animals would all die. The, the place would just collapse just because they have the power to do this. Some stupid administrative agency under the control of a governor has the power to take a man or a woman or um, Uncle Frankie and hold them indefinitely with no charges. No bail, no bond. It's obscene that an administrative agency's policy could hold people forever. And there's no right to cross-examine your accuser, no right to, uh, my mom showed me the newspaper article, how the criminal system in Virginia was supposed to be revamped, was supposed to be overturned. When you get criminally charged, see, Frank isn't even criminally charged yet. When you get criminally charged in Virginia, you have no right to the evidence that they're going to use against you. You have no right to the police reports. You have no right to know who the witnesses are that the police are going to bring forth during a criminal trial. It's all trial by ambush here in Virginia at the criminal level. It's obscene. It is fucking ridiculous. And it's actually in that newspaper that my mom said she actually cut out the newspaper article. Like you probably Google... Uh, the Virginia news leader, um, the newspaper basically probably about a week or two ago uh, says Virginia criminal court system revamp was shut down or revamping of the system. Probably just putting the word revamp was is was squashed. You know, they, the, 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 the legislator said, no, nah, there's no need to change it. It's working perfect for us. Of course it's working perfect for you. The poor defendant isn't allowed to look at the police reports. The poor defendant can't see the evidence that they're going to use. The poor defendant doesn't know who the witnesses are going to be called against them. And they're trying to say, well, these defendants, if we tell them who the witnesses are going to be, well, they could go out and shoot and kill the witnesses. Oh, really? I thought like 99% of these guys who are maybe that evil or that bad, that that you have to call witnesses against. I, I kind of figured they're in jail. And when they appear in court as witnesses, um, they're going to know who the witnesses were. And if they're really in fear of their life, they're going to have somebody on the outside who's going to kill this clown when they go home for snitching anyway. 
So what's this bullshit that they're not allowed to know who the witnesses are before the criminal, before the day of, before trial? I mean, you could just pop up people like, who's this guy? I don't know. He's just a witness. Who, what is it? I don't know. Is it the governor's daughter? Is it the governor's grandma? Who the hell is this guy? Who is this woman? And that's what I said to my mom when they, they said the state of Alabama was trying to come after me with a bank robbery, and they had bounty hunters looking for me. I said to her, I said, do you understand the fear I had of being dragged down to Alabama and having a deal with bank robbery charges? I said, do you understand? When you're in Alabama or Virginia, you don't have to, uh, uh, to, they're not going to tell you who the witnesses are. So I'm going to be sitting in jail waiting for this uh, bank robbery trial. They're going to parade three, four, five dozen little old ladies, little little kids, women. Everybody's going to be crying, pointing out across the courtroom, that's the bad man, that's the bad man. And guess what? All these witnesses are the governor's family, the attorney's family, police officer's sisters, police officer's children. They're just going to line up everybody and say, that's the motherfucker that was in the bank that day and pointed the machine gun at us. And I'm going to be in jail for the rest of my fucking life. And it's not a fucking thing anybody can do about it in this country. Not a damn fucking appeal, not a damn DNA, not an innocence fucking uh, factual innocence uh, petition. Nothing is going to get me out of that fucking hellhole. And they're going to find some guy who's facing 500 life sentences and say, hey, here's a pack of luckies, man. Kill call. And they're going to kill me. A pack of luckies. And I'm going to be dead. I said, I said, do you understand the fear that a normal man has in this country? What the government can do to them? How they could just pick him up and definitely detain him, make him the most ridiculous bullshit, no witnesses, no police reports, no access to the evidence, and you're just going to go to the trial and try to defend yourself. And that's obscene. How are you going to defend yourself when you don't even know who the fucking witnesses are? How do you know how you going to defend yourself when you can't even read the police report? That's ridiculous. I don't even know what the hell I'm in here for. Oh, well, you'll find out. What do you mean I'll find out? You'll find out the day of trial. What? That's fucking ridiculous. Just like I went to, like I said, to, to court 30 times. And I swear to God, it's funny, man. Uh, if anybody doubts me, I can show you the very last petition that I put into the court on the 30th trial was a petition to show cause, show case, show the reason for the case. Show me. And I asked a very simple question. <laughs> How is this case moving through this court? Have I been charged with a crime of abuse and neglect or two? A contract. That was it. And the judge said, are you kidding me? You know, I said, yeah, you understand? I spent over $100,000. The wife spent 50, 60 grand. Do you understand how much money we spent over the years? And I don't know how this case is moving through the court. I don't even know what this case is about. I don't even know if we're charged with a crime. I don't even know if we're charged with abuse and neglect. I have no fucking clue. And the judge said, that's ridiculous. You want me to believe that? I said, hey, Tom. I said, hey, Tom, you're my attorney. He said, yeah. I said, how long have you been my attorney? Tom said he was my attorney for three years. You've been my attorney for three years, have you? Yeah. I said, do you have any idea what this case is about? Do you have any idea how they took my kid? He's like, not a clue. I said, yeah. The judge said, I said, the judge, see, not clue. I said, Tom, how many jury attorneys I have before you? And he started naming all the attorneys. I said, yeah, eight before you. He said, yeah, I know there's quite a lot. I said, yeah, eight. I said, and uh, nobody has a clue. Nobody could tell me why. Nobody just said, I don't know, Carl. They, just, they, they were being hush-hush with this case. Nobody's letting anybody know nothing. Like, I ain't never seen nothing like this. You know, they're not letting anybody know what's going on. 
I said, yeah, this is ridiculous. I said to the judge. So like I said, up here in Virginia now, I guarantee they're calling Alabama and saying, we're going to get to the bottom of this. You know, I'm the governor of Virginia. I'm going to call my good pal, the governor of Alabama. I want to find out <coughs> why Carl's kids are taken away from them in Alabama. I guarantee <coughs> even a governor of Virginia could call up and say, hey, uh, Bob, my good old buddy, we went to law school together. You're the governor of Alabama. <coughs> Tell me what's going on with this Carl Lentz case file. I guarantee he's getting uh, dialed on like a click on the other end and say, hey, I can't talk about that. Not that case. Any case but that case. I can't talk about it. Because that's what my mom said when she came back home on Monday. She said, they're trying to find out what the hell's going on in Alabama. They're calling up Alabama asking, is there anything? Is there a court order? They said, they can't find a fucking thing. I said, no, they can't find anybody to talk to. And my mom's like, yeah. She said, can I give them somebody's name that you know in Alabama that might be able to back up what I'm saying, that I got legal custody of kids? I said, are you out of your effing mind? I said, do you think I want to help Virginia? You know, build a case against me here? Are you out of your mind? Do you think I want to tell them, oh, yeah, you know what, a good guy who will uh, stick his neck out for Carl Lance? Yeah, this is the guy you need to go talk to, and he'll tell you what's really going on. I said, yeah, right. I want these people to scramble, just like I had to scramble for years. I want Virginia to scramble and say, holy shit, this case stinks to high heaven. We're holding this guy's kids. He hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't done anything illegal ever to these kids. He hasn't done anything unlawful to these kids. <coughs> he hasn't done anything wrong. How in holy hell are we holding the, this guy's kids when he hasn't done anything? I said, I can't wait for the looks for everybody. Like, there's got to be something on this guy. Go ahead and background check me just like every fucking body else does. Go ahead. You ain't going to find nothing. But go ahead. Knock your socks off. Try to find some dirt on me. You ain't going to find it. Wasting your time. So, like I said, if my, if I place my child with a private school, <coughs> and uh, the private schoolmaster was uh, twenty-five felony counts against him, or <coughs> child pornography charges were placed upon him, <coughs> and they took all the kids out of the out of the school, out of the private school, and called up the parents and said, um, "Yeah, we had a dilemma here this uh, Saturday." Yeah, um, schoolmaster Frank Russo, uh, the school's Frank, uh, the private school guy named Frank that you place your kids with. Yeah. What about him? Yeah, well, he was just charged with 25 like felonies. Oh, wow. And uh, you got my kid, and he's, and my kids are safe? Yeah, but, uh, you know, we're, we're worried about the girl. I was like, yeah, don't worry about it, man. I'm the dad. I'll take care of it. Thanks for calling me up and letting me know that you got the kid safely in your custody. I'll be right down to pick her up. Yeah, not a problem, Mr. Lentz. Not here. Here they told me to go fuck myself. Here they said, there's no fucking way you're ever getting that fucking kid. Oh, really? Wait a second. I voluntarily placed her with my mom. What do I have to do with what happened in that house for the last six years? What, what does that have, me have to do with anything? I haven't been in that house in almost 10 years. What are you talking about? I'm going to come down, pick up my kid, and I'm going home. They're like, oh, yeah, really? Oh, yeah, really? They're like, no, you're not legal custody of this kid. I said, is that what you want to bet? You want to bet? I just love it, man, when people say to me all the time, man, everybody who calls up my shows, everybody, you know, who, who doubts me, I go, oh, you want to bet? Just like this ridiculous guy on the Internet all the time, but uh, the Jeffrey guy, that Doe's guy. 
He's like, Paul, you haven't had custody of your kids in years. Really? So, so, pal. So, so. Like, you know the case. You got access to the case file. You read court orders. Or you just, like, spreading hate, and you just really don't think I have custody. Because I said I do, but no call, you don't. Oh, really? How did I lose legal custody? Oh, well, you must have lost legal custody. The state of Alabama had kids. Yeah, why? As I said, I voluntarily gave them to a boarding school, a hospital, a mental institution, a foster care division. Yeah, right. Voluntarily. So voluntarily, how does voluntarily sound anyway like they took them? And that's why I say that all these women and guys on these calls, if you haven't went through the criminal process of being booked, fingerprinted, bail, um, charged, court, trial, if they have your kids, it's voluntary. Guaranteed. There's only two ways they can do it. They can do the whole litany, the whole gamut of booking you, processing you, fingerprints. Did, did you do any of that? No. Then go get your fucking kids. Because then it's only voluntary. There's only two ways they could do it. They have to run the gamut of criminal charges on you. Or it's voluntary. You sign some sort of paper that said to the to the state. They said, well, little Susie had a, uh, a scratch on her head and, and, and little Bobby had a, a blister on his behind. So that's abuse and neglect. And uh, we'll let you go take them home this time. But, you know, you're going to have to do uh, safety plans. You're going to have to do... Uh, uh, family clan classes, you're going to, have to do family planning classes, you're going to have to do all these uh, hoops you're going to have to jump through. You know, we're going to come and inspect the home, and it's got to be clean, and it's got to be this, 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 this. And if we find anything wrong, you know what, we're going to come and take the kids immediately. You know, this is your first and only warning. Like, yeah, 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 oh, thank you. Thank you, godly uh, social workers. Thank you, queen God, social worker. Thank you, king social worker. Thank you, king judge. Thank you for giving me back that which is fucking mine. And you haven't criminally charged me the fucking thing. But thank you, good godly king, because somehow you fucking think you've got the authority and control over me and my fucking that's what's mine and that's yours. Somehow our fucking ridiculous twisted minds of these stupid little smagging human beings that we are running around here thinking that, oh, we, you know, we got to kiss this fucking guy's ass. Look, that's mine. I created that flesh and blood. You created the legal document. You created the legal girl. I created the flesh and blood girl. You know, you have no jurisdiction or control over the flesh and blood. Paper, yeah, take the legal paper girl all you want. Whatever the hell you want to do, but don't you dare trespass on flesh and blood. Don't you dare pull one drop. Don't you take one hair. That which is not yours, that which is mine. Return it or compensate. I'll seek satisfaction, pal. I don't give a damn what you legislated yourself into creation. I don't care what your little minion said, 51% voted 49% of the children away. I don't give a damn when you people came and had a consensus of what to do. This is a land of law. This is a land of man. You, you people are our creations. You work for us. Don't you dare trespass, Baba. Don't you dare trespass, Susie. It's so simple. You've got to hold them liable because if you don't come after them man-on-man -man liability, strict liability, they will laugh at you. They will just totally blow you off. You have to talk to them, hey, Bob, I hear you want to take that which is mine. Hey, Bob, I think you're trying to tell me what to do with my property. I think you're trying to tell me what to do with my kid. Is that what you're thinking, Bob? Bob, over here, Bob. No, no, I'm not throwing no judge. I'm throwing you, Bob. This is all policy. This isn't a judicial court. I have no right to cross-examine my accuser. I got no right to know the evidence before I get here. I got no right. 
to, 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 to know the witnesses and evidence you're going to use against me today. I got no right to any of that nonsense. It's, it's a kangaroo court. It's a joke. I'm going to hold you liable, Bob, and I'm going to bring you at the local courthouse in my court. And that's exactly what uh, my mom sent uh, show me today. Mike the cop put in a demurra, which is kind of funny because he didn't do it, but his attorney did it. His some law firm did it. <laughs> Not one time in that lawsuit and in that demurra did they mention that Mike is a cop. Hallelujah. Not one time in that demurra did they say he was doing his job as a police officer or an investigator. Hallelujah. So at least they realized we're not coming after him as a cop. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that Mike's got to come after this with his own freaking attorneys. Hallelujah. I read the, I read the demur and just laughed. Because I said, Virginia, calling in circuit court. They're like, ha. So obviously I'm going to write back to the, to the court clerk, put the answer to the court clerk, and send it over to the attorney. Obviously, you didn't read the caption. We're at the circuit court, not in the circuit court. If you don't know the difference between in and at, well, you better go get a damn dictionary. If you don't, still don't know what it means in a dictionary, you better go find a really old judge. And a really old judge is going to explain to you the difference between in and out. Secondly, you're asking this court to dismiss it with prejudice. Um, whose court is this? It's Frankie's court, Mike's court, and the jury's court. So the, the court hasn't been assembled yet. When a jury gets here, we'll let the jury know whether or not you could have them dismiss it. You let them know when the full court is assembled, okay? And then the other thing I thought was funny is, this is a court of record. Who are you talking to? Are you talking to a magistrate? Are you talking to a judge? Who are you talking to? You know, who is this demur aimed towards? The court hasn't been assembled yet. The judge, the magistrate, hasn't been here yet. There hasn't been one assigned yet. Do you see one assigned yet? I don't see one assigned so it's just going to be a lot of fun. The answer I give back to uh, the attorney, I said, oh, yeah, and uh, attorney? Uh, attorneys can't appear in a court of record. You know, there's going to be no attorney for Frank Russo. Frank, appear, Frank Russo is going to appear as man. Mike is going to appear as man. That's the way it's going to be. Unless an attorney, you, have any firsthand knowledge of anything that transpired between Frank and Mike. If you have no first-hand knowledge of what transpired between Frank and Mike, and you're not a third-party impartial witness, you'll have no standing in this proceeding. So have a nice day, you know, Susie Cupcake Attorney. Oh, it's going to be a lovely letter. I'm going to <laughs> write back. It's going to be a lot of fun. But at least he did put an answer in. He called it the Murrah. When it was like, fail to state a claim which relief could be granted. Oh, good. So you totally agree with every single thing that Frank said, well, yes, we just don't believe relief could be granted. Well, that's going to be up to the jury. How's that? Because I don't think they understand, uh, a lot of these attorneys, I don't think they understand what they say, you know, uh, they failed to state a claim which relief could be granted. That's right. We failed to state a claim in which relief could be granted. Not that it's not true, but that we can't get relief. Now, I believe we can get relief. Now, you believe we can't get relief. The only problem with that is the jury's going to determine whether or not we could get relief. <clears throat> so I'll give it a little bit of, uh, uh, I'll give the other side a little bit of help because it's like, honestly, we don't have to tell you what you're looking at when you walk into this court. Just like you don't have to tell criminals what they're walking into when they're going to come into court. You don't have to, I don't have to tell you who the witness are. I don't have to tell you what the report is about. I don't have to tell you a damn thing. 
Mike just has to show up, just like in criminal court here in Virginia. You're going to get lynched. You're going to get a trial by ambush. That's how it rolls. But I'll, I'll toss you this little uh, nugget. I'll, I'll toss you exactly what I gave to the, uh, the newspaper man. We want the restoration of his good name because Mike did a telling that was not true. He put a telling that was not true into the public. And now by telling something that was not true, has caused the direct harm, injury, and loss to man, his fellow man. It's cost him his name. It's cost him his good word. It has cost him his character. And it has hurt him both public and privately, his reputation. That is what we're seeking compensation for. That is why we don't do duels at dawn anymore when somebody insults somebody. That's why we don't have pistols at 20 paces. We meet in a civil proceeding. That's why we have a court of record. That's why we have trial by jury. So we don't have to seek satisfaction with duel at dawn. We seek satisfaction through the civil, the civil process. So Mike can explain to the jury he did not do a false telling. And we're going to explain, Frank's going to explain, he did do a false telling. And that's how we're going to let the jury determine. Nothing's going to be dismissed before the, before the court is assembled. That's simple. So it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Believe me, I, I'd rather just be working on old cars and trucks, man, like you guys see all those videos that Gus puts up all the time. You, you guys see me working on the cars or trucks. You know, uh, that's what I really do, you know. And now i got here my folks following them, just trying to maintain everything for them, keep all the animals together, and keep all the animals alive. And uh, until the kids and, like, Frank gets back. But, uh... Yeah, I guess uh, I thought it was, uh, it was, uh, that's what's happening so far. Nothing, no answer from the newspaper man. Nothing's come from him yet. And like I said, I guarantee, um, you know, like I said, it's a lot of fun when you go after the man. Because when you go after the man, you're not having to deal with um, a huge law firm from like some state law firm or like the attorney general's office. Go ahead and go out to sue a cop or go sue a state trooper. Or go sue a judge, and then, then you're going to have the attorney general's office that you're going to have to deal with. Go sue a court clerk. You know, then they're going to have the attorney general, you know, calling you on the phone. So she's got like, the, it's like Susie Cupcake, a clerk. You just keep going to work. We got this. We're the attorney general's office. She's, they sued you as a clerk. We got this. You know, we got your back. And the judges all, you know, they're all going to get scared shitless when they see the attorney general's office walking into this trial. So just go up to Susie Cupcake. Say she did a trespass. She had a duty and obligation to a fellow man, and she failed to live up to that duty and obligation. Go after Susie Cupcake as a woman. Don't go after her as a uh, as a court clerk. Go after her as a woman who committed a trespass. She had a duty and obligation. She held a, a position within society, and she chose to, to breach that duty. She decided to be derelict in that duty. She she decided to you know do what she wished and not perform a service for her fellow man, in which she's getting compensated and paid. Go after the man or the woman. You know, and that's what I try to tell people, man. Stop this uh, silly, um, you know, like private attorney general nonsense. Stop diminishing your capacity as a man. You know, stay, stay, in, stay in a position and status of that as a man. If anybody in that court, like I said, it's, oh, that's what's funny, too. They actually wrote back Virginia, Colin, in the circuit court, whatever, 24th Division, whatever it was. <laughs> they said Frank Russo, plaintiff. <laughs> he's not a plaintiff. I said, what What part of the caption didn't you understand? He's a claimant. <laughs> Why do you keep calling it a complaint when it's a claim? 
we're not operating under some Virginia rules of civil procedure. We're in a court of record. We're not in, we, we're predates, way predates Virginia rules of civil procedure. If you don't know how to operate in a court of record, you better tell Mike the truth that you're an attorney who has no clue what a court of record is and that it's way below your pay grade or way above your pay grade, but you got no effing clue what a court of record is that Mike's in. Mike is now in a court of record at circuit court. If you don't know the difference between in court of record at a at circuit court, well, you're taking his money and you're leaving him uh, with a counsel that has totally clueless of what the hell's going to happen. So, you know, that's that's a funny letter I was going to write back to them to the court clerk's office. You know, I'll write it back to them. And, uh, explain to them, what court are you putting this into? It says Virginia colon. I, I've never even seen nothing like that. It said Virginia colon in the circuit court of uh, Augusta County. Well, what says Virginia colon? Why not? Virginia what? I mean, at... At the Augusta County Circuit Court, 24th Division or whatever, that's what we put it in. I said, where where did you send this? How did it get to us? This is What, what court what court clerk, you know, put this in this case file? This, this doesn't even belong here. You know, you know, we're at the Circuit Court. We're not in the Circuit Court. Why, why are you even putting in this case file? Unless the court clerk just says, well, you know, that's the case number, and they gave it to us, and we don't even read it. I said, okay, that's fine. I'll just write back to them and say they're out of their effing mind. That, you know, you better get your proper court. You better get your, you know, you better get your shit together. Because you're on the wrong damn court. You're not a traffic court. You're not a divorce court. You know, you're not in this whatever Virginia colon in circuit court of Augusta County. You're not in that court. You're in the wrong court. This is the court you're in. You're at circuit court in the court of record. What makes you think a court of record proceeds under some ridiculous uh, uh, Hale versus Hinkle nonsense that she was putting in? So what what makes you think that's how a court of record proceeds? One man tells the wrong, the other man explains that he's done no wrong, and then the other man explains that, yes, the wrong is true. And that's it. It's over, honey. Take 10 minutes. This guy's going to talk, he's going to talk, he's going to talk, we're done. Let the jury decide. What's all this ridiculous uh, Hale versus Hinkle crap? What's this Virginia calling in the circuit court of Augusta County? What the hell is this? Nobody's in the, nobody's in the circuit court. Or at the circuit court. We're meeting up at the circuit court. So like I said, this should be fun. Like I said, and hopefully this will teach a lot of people who are on my show. See, I, I, I figured I was going to be doing this. <laughs> I figured I was going to be the one and all starting this nonsense. But thank God Virginia started this nonsense. You know, thank God. You know, I didn't want to be the antagonist. I said, you know what, I really don't want to kick the beehive, you know, I really don't want to be the guy who you know, smacks the lion in the head, you know, just to see you get a reaction out of him. I didn't want to be the guy to do that, but I knew I was going to have to do it, and I was going to show people, step one, smack the lion in the head. Step two, try to stay alive, you know. Step three, you know, file his paperwork. Step four, you know. You know, but I was, I figured I was going to have to be the antagonist. I was going to be the one who was going to have to show people, look, we're going to have to draw a line in the sand and we're going to have to say, this is my property. Do not cross that line. Anything that's going on on this side of the road is private. Anything going on that side of the road is public. And don't you dare cross this fucking line. So I figured I was going to have to slug it out. 
and uh, prove it. You know, I say, well, somebody's going to have to do this. You know, I'm 52 years old. How many more years I got? Who knows? And who else on planet Earth is going to have this ability to slug it out? Who else is going to have this knowledge at this level to just say, let's do this. Let's see who's right. Let's see who's wrong. Let's see which is which is going to win. Let's see what land we live upon. That's exactly what I told the U.S. Marshals. Man, it must have been at least three years now, this January. And I told them, I said, well, let's see. I said, look, I'm going to try the best I can. I want to see once and for all, is this a land of the law or is this a legal land? And he said, and I swear to God, the, the U.S. Marshal guy said to me, he uh, said to me, well, Carl, how long, how many years do you think we got before it becomes a legal land? I said, honestly, I don't know. I said, because I'm going to push it to see if this is a land of law or if this is a legal land. If this is a land of Mansto or are we under some sort of no a code? Are we a one world order? Are we a code land? I said, we're going to find out. I said, and, uh, I said, honestly, if I win, I think the people are going to go freaking nuts and destroy the legal system. And when they do that, we're going to have to rely on each other's man. And we're selfish. We're greedy. And, uh, well, honestly, we're horrible animals that need to see that blue light in that back window. And then people are going to beg for the code to come in. And people are going to beg to lose all our rights, to have our rights stripped away from us. We're going to beg to go into a one-world order. I said, I think that's how it's going to play out. I said, yes, man, we'll win, but for not for very long. I said, I think they'll allow, allow it to happen because it'll be a collapse. And then even man will beg for the code to come in and take over. I said, I think that's why they're actually letting me do my thing. Because that's the way I see it going down. Oh, yes, we'll, uh, won't have to pay credit card debts no more. Nope, no more foreclosures. Yay. No more bankruptcies. Yay. No more IRS. Yay. No more stoplights. Yay. No more traffic tickets. Yay. No more child support. Yay. And we're going to collapse because we don't know how to act like a man. We don't know how to act properly. So we're just going to think, well, wow, we could just screw everybody and everything in our path now. That's right, because we're not honorable people. We're not an honorable man. And people are just going to just laugh and all hoodlums and gangsters and everybody's going to learn, oh, you know, all these little one-line tricks. Is that an order, officer? Is that your order? Is that your wish? Give me five grand and I'll step out of my car, pal. Give me ten grand and I'll put my gun on the street. You know, give me twenty grand and I'll take this up. 10 pounds of cocaine out of my pocket. Give me an order, sir, Mr. Man. You know, it'll just be, it'll be a total joke. It'll be just a total joke when man realizes they are his public servants and the public servants realize we're just their servants. And these people are just getting effing nuts, making us look like clowns. Nobody's going to want to be a public servant. Because like I said, calling somebody an officer 150, 200 years ago was a very derogatory term. It was like you were a bitch of the court. You know, now being an officer is a thing of great esteem and like the reverence and the, oh, honor. I'm an officer. Yeah, back in the days of kings and queens, an officer was the court's bitch that went out and did whatever the court told him to do. He wasn't a glorious position if you actually go study what an officer was, you know, back in 15, 1600. So now when you say officer, people are like, oh, that's an officer. He's a very proud, he's a good man. He's, he's above me. He's, he's better than me. He's an officer. You know, if you really believe that the, the sovereign power is vested in the people and he's your public servant, honestly, then you would understand that, that you are vested with the power. 
and he serves you, and you do not bow down to him. But fortunately, this country, since it has lost its moral compass, and since the people have so little ethical values and their behavior is animal-like, thank God, you know, they're terrorized by the public servants. Thank God the public servants are controlling these people. Because, like I said, when we were uh, godly people, when we were like pilgrims who came over here, we thank God every freaking day for every damn thing. For every minute of survival, we prayed to God. We thank God. Go read about the Mayflower. Go read about Plymouth Rock. Go read about the pilgrims. Watch how fast they had to enforce code, enforce law on their own people because they lived like a communist state, like a Jesus Christ state. They lived like... Oh, well, everybody, we'll put all our fish in the same basket every day and we'll work with the Indians here. We'll all put corn in together and all this maize and, oh, we'll have this cornucopia. We'll, we'll all fucking put our shit together in one big pot and we'll all be one big happy Jesus Christ family. We'll all have two fish and three loaves of bread and we'll feed everybody. Yeah, why don't you guys really study what happened to the pilgrims next? That half the people became a bunch of lazy bums. That a bunch of them just said, you know what, fuck this. Why should I work? Why should I plow? Why should I do anything? Oh, you know what? I have a headache. Oh, you know what? I got tunnel carpal syndrome. Oh, you know what? I think I twisted my ankle again. I think I'm going to have to take a time out for the six months. I think I'm going to have to go on workman's comp for a while. <clears throat> and nobody was doing any damn work. And the people who were doing the work were like, hey, fuck this. Why should we be feeding all you bums? Get your lazy fucking asses up and do some fucking work around here. So why do you guys see, because like I said, my mom's family came on a Mayflower. So my mom, you know,'s family knows the real deal, what happened, and how this country really got formed, and really why this is the way it is. So it's fun to have a, a family member, you know, a family who came from that long ago and really remembers what it was like, and the stories got passed down and written down through all, all these centuries. And my dad just got off the boat, you know, at World War II. And, uh, the reason why I was going to let my I was actually going to let my mom come on the show and explain uh, my, why my dad's family came over here because they were uh, going to euthanize uh, my uncle John and my uncle John he was actually the tallest lens I remember and he was the smartest lens he worked for Pitney Bowes he was an engineer over there and they were going to euthanize him when he was a child because he was a what because he was a, he, was, he was little as a baby and you know they were killing kids. You know, and I always thought it was my grandfather. I said, I don't know how in the world my grandfather convinced my grandma to pick up all her freaking kids, she had seven all together, and get on a freaking boat and go to a land that she doesn't even speak that freaking language. How did my grandfather convince her when Germany was at their greatest power ever? They had the most money on, like, anybody on planet Earth. They were building a canal. Huh. From the North Sea, from the from the Baltic, down, all the way down, you know, to the Alps, they, they were going to make a totally bypass England and France and Spain. They were going to just cut right through the Alps. <laughs> you know, these these people were incredible. What they were going to do, that the, the engineering was unbelievable. They were going to go through the freaking Alps with a freaking waterway, <laughs> and they were going to totally bypass France and England. And say, hey, we don't got to ship through you clowns anymore. We don't got to deal with you clowns anymore. You know what? We'll go straight through the Mediterranean, right through the Suez Canal. Well, F England, F France, you know what? We don't need you people anymore. You're going to be left behind. So obviously, you know, they were at their greatest height at power at that time. Why in God, how in God's name I said to myself, 
did my grandfather convince my grandma to get on the fucking boat? I couldn't convince a wife now with sad four, five, six, seven kids. Hey, honey, we're going to China. Why? Because uh, that's where the jobs are, and, and that's where the biggest growth is right now. I was like, wait a second, do we speak no anybody in China? Uh, I'm sure there's people we'll find over there, and I'm sure we'll get a job. Like, you're crazy. You speak Chinese? No, I don't know, I don't know Chinese. See, my mom told me, no, she was, was talking about because I haven't talked to her in a long time. <laughs> but she said, no, no. She said, you, you know, where you get the, uh, <coughs> she said, well, you get your, uh, you're exactly like her grandfather. She said, you look just like my grandfather. She said, everybody hated him, but they all respected him because he was a smart bastard. But uh, he always was making, you know, bath, bathroom gin. He was always doing prohibition stuff. He was always doing whatever the government told him not to do. He was always a real pain in the ass. He became like a teamster leader. He said, man, everybody loved to hate him. They loved him, but he got the job done. And they, they all knew he was an arrogant prick asshole, but, you know, he got the job done. You know, he's formed a hell of a union up there in New York, and, you know, people feared him, but people respected him. She said, you're just like my grandfather. I said, you're, you're just a fucking asshole. Everybody hates you, but they love you. They respect you. And she said, because you're fucking right, just like your grandfather. I said, oh, wow. I said, I didn't know that about him. And she said, yeah, the only thing different between him and you is he drank like a fish. He, he, was, he was a big-time alcoholic. <clears throat> but like she said to me, she said, uh, no. She said, the reason why the lenses came over is because they were going to kill your Uncle John when he was a baby. And the government said, no, he's too small and you've got to get rid of him. You know, you got to kill him. And my grandma was like, no, fuck it away. No, I'm not killing the kid. And uh, she came on over here. <laughs> and she had a, you know, they, they they got on a boat. So it's like, oh, okay. So it was so funny. My mom told me, too. She said, hey, you know, when you were born in Brooklyn, and she gave me the exact address, something, Seneca Avenue. She said, you know, uh, you, your family, let, uh, your, the Lenses let us stay in an apartment. And um, she said, um, you know, since we were the, uh, I forgot what they say, the youngest tenants, like the rookie tenants, I forgot what my mom said, but there was something to do with like a six-family tenancy apartment. She said, since we were the lowest on the lawn, we were the newbies, we had to like clean the place. And she said, we walked into the basement, and my mom said, I ain't never seen a basement this clean in my life. And my dad said something like, this is some sort of like a wolf's den. This is something that the Germans all meet, and they have like Hitler rallies. And she said, this is where like your grandfather and his friends must have all met during World War II. I was like, oh, wow. So he didn't hate Hitler? He's like, she was like, oh, no, he didn't hate Hitler. He's like, no, your grandma hated Hitler. I was like, oh. It's like, yeah, because she didn't want to lose a baby. She didn't want them to kill her, Uncle John. I said, oh, wow. I said, huh. I said, I'm glad I get to talk to my mom a little bit and find out a little bit of our history. Because <laughs> she explained about pilgrims, you know, about the, you know, Mayflower, you know, the colony up there. But then she explained, you know, about your dad and your dad's family. I said, wow, I got that backwards. I thought my grandfather realized Hitler was crazy. No, your grandma realized he was fucking crazy because he was going to kill one of the kids. She's like, fuck that. You don't get on the boat with the kids. I'm getting on a boat. I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> She's the one who got my grandfather to jump on a boat. Oh, now that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> that That makes sense to me. So I can see a wife of mine saying to me, call, you know, you can stay here if you want, but I ain't going to let him kill the kid. I'm going to take the kid to China where he's safe. 
It's like, well, come on, you know, I've been here a long time. She's like, I'll give you three seconds to get on that fucking boat. Well, I'm, you know, well, honey, we could just stay. I'll give you two seconds. Okay, honey, I'm with you. Let's go. You know, I couldn't leave her and the kids to go to China by themselves. I was like, okay, fine, I'll go. She's like, no, 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 it wasn't your grandfather. <laughs> she was your grandfather. <laughs> I'm like, ha, ha, too funny. But like I said, man, you know, uh, I'm glad I could tell you guys these stories and, uh, I'm glad my mom told me these stories and my grandma told me her stories and, you know, you know, it just worked out nice that you guys could kind of have an idea of what I'm trying to do here and trying to set the, the record straight with how the government works and how people are, just how we are as people and how these wonderful pilgrims had this wonderful, beautiful idea when they landed. And even Gus was telling me that a while ago. He was saying that, uh, I don't remember if he said that they were, having some sort of commune kind of thing going on or or uh, co- cooperation or co-op with a whole bunch of guys he knew at one time. And they, and they were getting a village going up there in New Hampshire or Maine or something like that. And everything was just hunky-dory for a while. And then they started bringing the women in. <laughs> and then the women started saying, you know, jealous. And uh, are you still on the phone, Gus? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, what was that that you were talking about a while back like that with me? Um, there, there was a group of people I know that got together uh, in Grafton, New Hampshire, and uh, a bunch of guys went up there, cleared some land, and had, had done something like that. And then as soon as the women came in, you know, you guys were getting jealous. Some of the guys were single. and Yeah, it, it's just uh, – but I, I don't – I don't know if I ever told you about those guys. I'm trying to think of who I might have talked to you about. Oh, you did. You talked. We we talked a lot, man. Believe it. Or I know. Yeah, <laughs> believe it. How did I know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess so. Cause you told me. Yeah, because you told yeah. me. Yeah. So it's, I, I'm always thinking about that. I'm always thinking about getting some land and uh, like people, like good guys, like uh, Rod. You know, plus the guy who helped you. And the guy came here, chopped some trees for me. Oh, oh, you know, like, let's get some land. Let's clear some fields, some pasture land. Let's everybody build house. Let's get timber. You know, let's get, like, a little store mill going. Whatever we don't use, we sell, you know, make some money. You know, build, like, a little colony kind of thing going on. And then, like you said, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, everybody's going to be hunky-dory until the women come. And then the women are going to say, why does he have two cars and we only have one? Or why does he have three shirts and we only have two shirts? Or why does he have six buttons on his shirt and we only have five? You know, it's like, what? This petty bullshit, what? I don't give a shit if he's got a hundred cars. Oh, that's because he's the supreme leader, I guess. I guess all you guys are his bitch. Like, no, he's not. What? I don't. Look, I couldn't care less what car he's got. Well, his car is blue and everybody else's car is red. What makes him think he's. Be- oh, Jesus, F lady, would you just stop? So, I mean, I could see how you guys could have a nice little thing going and then all of a sudden start bringing the women in <laughs> and then the, the petty bickering and backstabbing, you know, it's like, oh my God, I thought we had something good going on here. Yeah, it was you who was telling me about that, Gus. <coughs> you know? And how, like I said, how long did that last, you know, that little experiment? Are you still there, Gus? Yeah, sorry, I muted myself. Uh, I can't watch the. I have the phone at the other end of the room, so that I don't lose the signal. Um, 
Well, uh, there was a couple that got divorced, and <laughs> you know, she moved down the street and found another place. Um, there's, you know, the, the their their son is I think 16. He's still around, and um, yeah, the, things work themselves out, but um, it's definitely not the best situation in the world. Yeah, like you guess I'm saying you're telling me, and I, I could I was envisioning that, you know, yeah, I could imagine the petty jealousies that would happen because like I said, it's just like what's going on here with in Virginia with me and dealing with these women who are running social services and the women who are running these courts. And I'm telling them some very basic simple concepts. You can't take that which is mine without returning it or compensating it. You do know that, right? Oh, no, we had a conference committee, and we set policy that 51% of us voted to take 49-year kids away. Man, that's obscene. That's ridiculous. You can't do that. Not in this nation. Not yet. Oh, we do it every day. Ma'am, 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 you need to find a really old, old man, an old judge man before you get hurt because you just can't take an action by committee and everybody sing kumbaya and hug each other and then have a donut and coffee break every five minutes and say that you're going to take people's children away. That's just, that's an evil. I don't give a damn how, how kumbaya it sounds or how communist it sounds or how Mayflower compact colony it sounds. It's ridiculous. It, it'll never last. You women don't know history. You can't just think you're going to get together as a, 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 um, as a colony or as a, uh, um, what do they call that, um, uh, like a congregation, it, it's just not going to work. You know, people are going to get lazy, and the people ain't going to want to work. And it, it's just like that, 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 you know, the George Orwell book, you know, it's like Animal Farm. You know, some animals are more equal than others. Like, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. It's like, okay, that's fucking ridiculous. So you people are going to be the enlightened ones, and you're going to say, well, we're all equal here. All us women and all the children, all of, all of these people are all equal, but some of us are more equal than others because we have a greater voice or a greater vote. Really. And what makes you think I want to be part of this ridiculous voting process where I, my voice doesn't exist? It's like that, that speech that Barack Obama gave back in uh, 2013. I think it was October 17th he gave it. And he said uh, the greatest gift our forefathers gave us was the right to self-governing. And then he goes 180 degrees and goes the other way. Say, so if you don't like what the government is doing, Vote us out. Vote us out, and you take over, and you tell us what to do. But right now, we're in charge, we're in power, and we're going to tell you what to do. As I wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. In one breath, you're saying, the greatest gift of all Father gave us was the right to self-govern. In the next breath, you're saying, so that's why we have elections in this country, so that way, if we don't like who's telling us what to do now, we can come back in four years and kick us out, and then you can tell us what to do. Wait a second, how does that do with self-governing? That's totally opposite of what you just said two seconds earlier. So when you guys go look at that speech that he said, the greatest gift our forefathers gave us was the right to self-governance. Yay! That's, that's, I love it, dude. That's You're absolutely effing right. And then the very next sentence, he spins on it, and it says, that's why you have the right to vote. That way, when we're in control now, we're telling you what to do. We're making you our slaves. We're making you our bitches. We're taking all your property, stealing everything, you putting you in jail with outright to trial, outright to cross-examine. Right? We're making you our slaves. Next election, you could turn around and make us your slaves. So, yay, thank you for the forefathers giving us the right to self-government. What? 
how did you get that in the same damn speech? And people didn't say, just like their heads started to explode from brain farts. And say, what? You just said, what? And now you said this? What? I'm telling you, look at the speech. You're going to laugh your asses off. It's going to be like, you're you kidding me. And holy shit calls right. At first he says, this is what made our country great, self-governance. Then he says, if you don't like that we made you our bitch, you could vote us out and we'll be your bitch next time. Dude, I thought you said it was self-governing. Well, that's right. That means you get to vote. What? <laughs> so we get to vote to make the other people not self-governing anymore. Is that what you're saying? That our forefathers gave us the gift of self-governing, but now we could vote to take that gift away. We could take that gift of self-governance away, and then if we want it back, we could vote on it and vote you out, and we could get that gift back. But right now, you're in charge, so you're going to take that gift of our forefathers away from us. Is that what you're trying to say? He's like, exactly. Now, now you're following the speech. So like I said, it's just a lot of fun watching these guys spend. You know, it's just it's like, holy crap, this, this guy can't be serious. He just said this, and then he said that in the same breath. Did anybody, like, you know, follow what he just said? Or am I the only guy on planet Earth that caught what he said? Because, like I said, it's, <laughs> I don't know, it just, it's, uh, it's too comical. You know, or just, you guys just don't give a shit what these guys say anymore, and you're just doing your own thing, and... Like, hell, man, you know, when we go down one at a time, man, you know, we're going to be the next Frank Russo. Oh, well. And that's why I said the social service ladies. And I, I did like that little that thumb and my, 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 my index finger. I said, ma'am, the, 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 the distance between me and Frank is that minuscule. Is that tiny, that minuscule. It could be me sitting in there with no bail, no bond, 25 felonies on me. Production of child pornography, it could be me. But I was smart enough to be terrified of the country, the government that's controlling us at this point. I was smart enough to not go fucking nowhere near my children, to go nowhere near them, to not hug them, touch them, talk to them. I stayed so many fucking miles away from them, it wasn't even funny. I did everything. They come towards me, I walked the other way. They talk to me, I don't say a fucking word. I don't want to be fucking PC incorrect. I don't want to know them from a fucking hole in the wall until they're 18. Why? Because of you fucking animals. Because your fucking society. Because what you fucking monsters are fucking doing. You guys are fucking evil. You're destroying the fucking culture. You're destroying fucking families. And you think it's fucking funny. Because you've got a hat that matches your skirt, that matches your pocketbook, that matches your shoes, that matches your fucking nail, matches your lipstick, matches your eyeshadow. You don't fucking care. It's all about fucking image. You don't give a fuck about substance. You don't give a shit. I said, I can't wait for this legal system to collapse. And the first thing they're going to do to you ladies is throw you back in the kitchen. That's the first thing they're going to do to you. They're going to throw you under the bus. They're going to say, the reason why this all collapses is because of you bimbo, you bimbo, you bimbo. You pushed it too far. You pushed these guys too far. They went back to the fucking law. And now you guys, you know what? We don't need you anymore. Go back to the kitchen. Let's go back to being a clerk. Go back to pushing a pencil. Us men, look, the legal society will go back to being a men again, and we'll fucking take over. We'll, we'll, you know, honey, honey cakes, go make me a cup of coffee. Daddy's here. We'll go take over. You know, we'll, we'll get the legal society back on track. Thanks, honey buns. But effing this up. It's like, yeah, they just gave them too much control. They gave them too much power, and they're just, their heads are swelled with it, with, the, with the, the power, the power chips that they're on. It's just like when I was living down in uh, Florida, and uh don't remember the name of the uh, company 
was on A1A, but they were the landlord company. They were my landlord, uh, it was a real estate uh, management. That's a property management company. I don't remember the name off the top of my head. They'll come to me. But he asked me, because I was a pretty big, goofy-looking dude, if I would go and collect rent, because he had a lot of uh, apartments in a really low uh, rent section of uh, Daytona Beach. And he was scared to go there. And he knew I wasn't afraid. You know, I drove a taxi. I had a little taxi company down there. He knew I'd, go, I'd dealt with anybody. And, uh, you know, that's how all drug dealers moved down there was through taxi cabs, you know, anonymous and uh, hard to track. You know, everything was going through taxis. So uh, I honestly, I didn't get, I didn't get a holiday. Just, you know, I didn't care. I wasn't scared of the black people. I wasn't scared of them. You know, everybody else was terrified. I wasn't. I got along fine with them. I didn't do drugs. I didn't get no money out of them other than the, the cab fare. You know, they just give me, a, you know, straight 10 bucks, 20 bucks, man. They didn't worry about no damn meter. So I don't care. I'll pick you up. I don't give a shit where you want me to go. I don't give a shit. You know, have a nice day. You know, uh, I'll transport the devil for 20 bucks. I don't give a rat's ass. I'll transport Hitler for, you know, 20 bucks. I don't give a shit. You got the cash? Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> I ain't picky. <laughs> it was so funny, though. I picked up one guy in uh, Daytona like that, and uh, he told me to take him over to uh, 11th Avenue. I said, oh, International uh, LPGA, uh, LPGA Boulevard? He said, no, 11th Avenue. Man, I stopped right there in the middle of the intersection, took the keys out of the car, and uh, said, I quit. <laughs> and it looked funny. He was sitting in the back seat. He's like, where are you going? And I just kept walking. And, he, and I just kept walking in the intersection. Everybody's hocking their horn. Everybody's like, broad daylight. It was like, a, you know, like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody's hocking their horn. I just quit. And right there, I left the Because... If he said 11th Avenue, I said, you mean LPGA Boulevard? He says, no, 11th Avenue. I said, you live there? He said, yeah. And I stopped because they changed the name from 11th Avenue to LPGA Boulevard about three years earlier. So I knew if he lived on LPGA Boulevard, he knew it was no longer 11th Avenue. So I knew, holy shit, how can I get robbed? This guy, he don't want to go there. He wants to put me in a bad section of town. Uh, to do something hateful. So it's so funny how I did that. I did that a couple of times. You know, I was like, man, I'm going to get robbed. It was like spidey senses of tingling. You know what? Uh, I'm stopped for red light. <laughs> I just get out of the car as fast as I can and say, I quit. <laughs> I take the keys and say, I quit. <laughs> and the guy just sits there for a while and eventually gets out of the car and walks away. <laughs> but that's the way I handled when I thought I was going to be robbed. Either that or tell the guy, uh, sit in the front seat. I did that to one guy, man, sat on the front seat. And I put, because it was funny, he went to the, two black guys were in front of me, man, and taxi kids in front of me. And I seen the black kid get in and out of their cars, in and out of their cars, and he came back to me. He said, hey, you take me up to North Vegas? I said, uh, mm, uh, I don't think so. I said, uh, he says, what the hell's wrong? He said, I just came back to town, and everybody's scared shitless in North Vegas. I said, oh, that's because you guys called us up there, and uh, when we stopped for a stop sign, you guys jump out of the bushes and you shoot us up like we're Swiss cheese and uh, you rob our dead bodies. He said, you don't even bother knocking on a window saying, I got a gun, give me your money. No, you guys riddle us like Swiss cheese and then you steal the money from the dead corpse. I said, you killed four of us in the past 30 days. I said, we're not going back up there. You're out of your effing fucking mind. So the guy's like, look, man. He says, I haven't been here in years. I don't know what got that bad. I said, look, man, you got 20 bucks. He says, man, it's like a $5 ride. I said, dude, you got 20 bucks? He's like, yeah. I said, well, then jump on in. Give me the 20 bucks. I'm going to get you up there. It's like 3 in the morning. So I put him on the passenger side, and I said, oh, keep your hands on your lap. He tried to sit in the back of the car. I said, oh, hell no, man. You're sitting on the front seat by me. Put your hands on your lap. Don't move your hands. 
And it's so funny, man. It's like I hardly ever wear a seatbelt. And you got to tell you, man, I don't wear seatbelts. I put my seatbelt on for that ride. And, man, I hammered it out of the Union Plaza, man. And I hammered it up to North Vegas. We are flying. And the guy's like, why are you going so fast? I said, because if you move your hand, I said, I'm going to hit the first car, tree, telephone pole, anything that's sitting on the passenger side. You're going through that windshield, buddy. I said, what? I said, I got, I said, I fucking dis- disabled your airbag. I said, you're going through that fucking windshield. I said, I put my, I said, you didn't see me put my seatbelt on? Yeah. I'm going to get, I said, this ain't my car. I don't give a crap. It's a company car. I said, you move your hand. I said, you're going through that windshield pal. And I got a gunpoint right at you. I said, don't, don't even blink. He says, is that bad? I said, pal, you have no clue the fear that we have coming up into this freaking neighborhood. I said, I've gone through here like 100 miles an hour. I ain't stopped. No fucking stop sign. I ain't going. Uh-uh. It ain't going to happen to me. But I'll give you a ride. <laughs> I said, but it's going to be a hell of a ride. So the guy's like, wow, man. You know, when I, he let out the car, he's like, wow, that was crazy. I said, hey, pal, you guys made it this way. What do you want me to tell you? I said, everybody's terrified to come up here. I said, I'm getting out of here as fast as I can. Good luck, buddy. I'm the wrong color. So <laughs> it's funny, man. He was a good kid, but I don't know. <laughs> So like I said, man, you know, you guys got to understand, man, when there's no fear of the police anymore, when people just jump out of the street corners, man, and just start shooting taxi cabs up like the Swiss cheese, like we're rolling piggy banks. I mean, like some of these guys, man, had two bucks on them, you know, and they're still dead for, what, two bucks? And a whole bunch of just gang kids, you know, all the gang kids, these little peely kids. I mean, when people said they were in a gang when I was a kid, man, you had to beat people with a bat or a, you had to beat people with a can opener. You had to touch somebody up, you know with a tire on it. You know, nowadays you push a pistol, you know, all pl- uh, how much muscle do you need for that? When we were kids, boy, you really had to beat somebody. You know, when you were in a gang, you had to actually beat them with your hands and something. Now they're all little marshmallows, these little kids that go gangsters, oh, please. They're little four-foot, you know, 90-pound weakling, you know, well, he's got a gun and he's got a tattoo on his face. Same thug for life. Oh, yeah, that's a, he's a badass. Oh, he's got a gun. Oh, well, I'm listening to him. But it's not like when I was a kid when you, you were, you know, in a gang, which is Big difference. Everybody's weightlifting back then. Everybody's working out. Now, please. You know, everybody's just squirts a gun at each other. You know, just riddles each other with bullets. So, like I said, it's just it's just a shame. You know, how the culture's changed. You know, and like I said, you know, if the police are afraid to, to patrol, you know, the police won't do it anymore. Because it's just Mike the Cops being sued. Mike the cop's a hell of a cop. I'm telling you, man, he is a hell of a law enforcement officer. Man, he knows the shit like the back of his hand. I said to Mike, I said, Mike, I do not want to sue you. I do not want to see your name on a lawsuit in any shape or form. I said, I think you're a really good guy. And I think you really know Toad like the back of your hand. I said, Mike, you can't be lying to people and doing this shit. I said, Mike, this is just wrong. I said, Mike, you know, you, you, you know you're causing harm when you're doing this stuff. I said, you know you had an agreement with this man. I said, and you know you're in breach of the contract. You're in breach of the agreement. You have an implied contract with Frank. You made an agreement with Frank. He's like, I made no agreement. I said, how did he walk out of this fucking police department? How did he walk out of the sheriff's department with 25 confessions against him? And you let him get in his fucking car and drive home. Obviously, when we go to court, we're going to explain it to the jury that obviously there was a contract. There was an agreement. Between you and Frank. Oh, well, no. We got it on videotape, and Frank just, you know, I just asked him a simple question. Uh, Frank, would you like to tell me what happened? And, dude, you don't think you rehearsed it for hours with this guy before you turned the tape on? I said, obviously, you must have told him, look, if you tell us the truth, if you tell us that you did this, 
If you tell us that, you know, even if it's not the truth, just tell us that you did it and we'll give you counseling. It's Saturday. You're missing a beautiful day. You only got a couple more hours before you got to get back on the road, get in your tractor trailer. You ain't going to see you fall again for another fucking, what, five, six, seven days. Just tell us what we want to hear. Go home. We'll get your therapy. Get us the computers. Go get us all the cell phones. Get us the camcorder. And just, you know, bring it back. You know, so we don't got to come in and go to the warrant. We don't got to come kick in the door. We don't got to search for your house. Go get the stuff and bring it on back. And we'll give you counseling. And I'm sure Frank said, okay, fine. Then everything that you've got to say, I totally agree I did. So now, can I go home? And they said, yes. And they let him go home. I said, so Mike, obviously you have made an agreement with your fellow man. You are going to say you made a deal with a suspect. You made a deal with a, a, a pedophile. You made a deal with a, a, a criminal. He's going to say, no, I thought I was talking to a man who was wearing a uniform, and I was just a man. I thought I was talking to a man to man. I thought that we had an agreement that if I say everything you want me to say, I can go home, get the computers, you give me therapy, and I go back to work. And you're happy, I'm happy, everybody's happy. I can do therapy once a month. I don't care. I just want to go home. I'm exhausted. I've been talking to you guys for hours. I just want to go fucking home. If that's all I got to say is I shot the Pope and I fucked Jesus on the cross. You know, he came out from the dead because I fucked him so hard. He, he woke up after three days and whatever. I'll, I'll say I fucked, him. I fucked your mom. I fucked her chicken. I fucked, whatever you want me to say, I fucked my dick in fine. Just tell me whatever the hell you want me to say. Well, nobody's saying that you had sex with her. Okay, whatever. Just uh, I'll, I'll say whatever the hell you want me to say so I go to fuck home. Is that a, we, we agreed? I, could, I say whatever you want me to say, and I go home. Yeah, you go home. So, Mike, how are you going to say there wasn't an agreement there? Because how do you explain why he went home and just started getting cameras and computers and putting them in the trunk of his car? He had nothing better to do. He's like, oh, boy, I, I went home. Yay. And you know what? Instead of going out there and working on the fields and working on his truck, no, he went in the house, got all the camcorders, got the videos, got the cell phones, got everything, started sticking in the trunk of his car. How do you explain why he did that? Obviously, there must have been some arrangement between you and him to go get the crap and bring it back. So, like I said, you know, you know, it's it's now it's going to be for the jury to determine whether or not it's true or not. And like I said, I said, um, there's something called factual innocence, and I don't use um, legalese, and I don't use. Um, uh, verbatim, exactly how factual innocence is established. But I'm going to say in the answer to the court, and I'm going to try to go for a, uh, when I go for uh, habeas corpus, instead of going explaining habeas corpus in like old style, I'm going to say, well, habeas corpus, you know, where the man has the right to meet his accuser, and to have the facts and evidence brought before a competent tribunal. It's very similar to something in legalese called factual innocence. In factual innocence, that these elements must be based upon, the case must be based upon these facts. These elements must exist or there is no case. Fact is, boom, this didn't happen. Fact is, boom, this didn't happen. Fact is, boom. This is the evidence. Boom. No third party impartial witness. Boom. 
It's an incompetent minor that cannot testify to alter affirmation. Boom. There's no third-party impartial witness. Boom. You have no factual facts in which you could establish a case, and you have no evidence, and what you have is circumstantial, and you, you have no case. Now, that would be considered factual innocence. I'm not saying that we're filing a petition for factual innocence. I'm saying we are making a writ of habeas corpus and we're ordering that body out of that fucking bullshit fucking family court, whatever nonsense they call it, domestic court, whatever F domestic court is, and get it over here to a big boy court, over here into a circuit court, over here into a court of record. That's what I, I'm, the way I'm going to uh, present it. Because it's funny, I said to my mom and Frank, Frank has got to write me a letter saying, like, giving me basically the ability to put paperwork in court on his behalf or power of attorney. So Frankie tried to give him that letter the other day, and Frank was just a mental case. He was just crying, he was shaking, his eye was falling out of his fucking head, you know, because he's got to get injections in his eye like once a month. And it was just, you know, it was just, you know, the guy was scared shitless. He was going to lose his eyeball. And, of course, they wouldn't let a doctor in, and even they wouldn't transport the doctor and, you know, had to start writing all this crap saying, you know, you know, if this man is harmed, this is going to happen. You know, it's just bullshit. Just give the damn guy a fucking shot, you know. Just let him go to his damn doctor because there's a special device that they got to hold Frank's head in when they put this needle in his eye so, they don't, so he doesn't wiggle. But anyway, you know, like I said, this could happen to all of us guys, and this is what I'm trying to fucking explain. I don't know how many people sent Frank's letters, but if everybody sent me a dollar who downloaded the show, and there's been over 3,000 people that downloaded a week, and I get about 20 bucks, I guarantee half you, half you pricks, 90% of you pricks haven't sent Frank a letter, haven't sent him a greeting card. Was, and I'm telling you guys, it's going to happen to you. And, and, you guys, and then you guys are going to be crying, oh, why won't Paul come and save me? Yeah, well, why won't you guys write him a freaking letter and just put a damn stamp on a postcard and say, yeah, Frank, it could have been us. It could be all us, Frank. Hang in there, Frank. Don't, 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 don't give up. You know. So at least Frank said to Frankie, he said, "Yeah, tell Carl, thank you for sending me money. Tell, tell Carl, thank you for uh, uh, writing to me. Thank Carl. I wrote him a hell of a letter. Say, Frank, you could show this to everybody in jail. You didn't fucking do it. Then this is the kid's dad talking. This is you show this letter to the, everybody. I believe you, Frank. I believe you've been framed. I believe you ain't done a damn thing fucking wrong. I don't believe you hurt anybody in your whole entire life. I've known you my whole life. I've known you since 1981, 82. And I've never seen you hit any of the children. I've never hit, seen you hit any of the grandchildren. I've never hit my mom. And I, uh, I said, tell everybody, man, there's no damn way in the world that the dad believes that you did anything to his daughter. So I said, show that to the inmates. Show that to the guards, Frank. So Frank's like, well, tell Carl Dank for writing that letter. And I said, yeah, coming on everybody's face. The daddy's saying that there's no way. So like I said, my mom went and visited the girls today, and she said the one girl, the 11-year-old, obviously is crying and whining all the time. She wants to go home, wants to go home, wants to go home. And uh, she said the 13-year-old isn't saying a word. She said she, she my mom brought her up to dinner, and it was just a glorified taxi driver that brings the kids to meet my mom. And she said the 13-year-old would not say a word. She just sat in the corner and would not move, would not blink, would not talk, would not do nothing. And the 11-year-old just said, I want to go home. I want to go home. You know, I miss my ponies, miss my chickens, miss my, you know, I miss, you know, 
You know, she's got like an egg collection thing that she does the whole time. You know, she just misses. You know, she was supposed to be in a, a school play. She was supposed to be in a school um, a band concert. She was supposed to be in a school uh, Christmas parade, you know, playing her flute. You know, that girl's supposed to be playing a clarinet, you know. These kids are fucking miserable. So I said to my mom, that it's good that they're miserable because I can't show them the terror of being taken into state custody, whether it's jail or foster care, without them having first-hand knowledge of it, without them actually experiencing it. So when they come out, and I can now talk to them, because now we have common ground. Before, I had no common ground with my girls. I had no common ground. I had nothing to relate to them because my mom's farm is idyllic. It's like paradise. It's like ponies and chickens and puppies and kittens and, you know, big pasture land and, you know, little little shacks here and there where they could just chill out and read books. You know, you know the girl's got, like, her own little, like, hideout fucking little shack that she could chill out in, you know, and hang out with her little uh, 13, 12-year-old boyfriend. You know, she's got, like, paradise here. They got swimming pools. They got all kinds of crap. So now they're in foster care. Ha, ha. What kind of Christmas are you going to get in foster care? What do you, what, you think you're going to get a present in foster care? Oh, yeah, right. Sure, sweet dreams. And my mom always makes a big freaking production for Christmas. It was funny. I gave her a hard time. She says, nah, I ain't going to do Christmas this year. Frank's in jail. The girls are going, da, 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 da. I said, hey, what about Frank? Uh, what about, uh, oh, what's he, chopped liver? I said, look, why don't you and Frankie take a walk out in the field, and I'll uh, dig a little tree for you guys, and uh, you can put it in a hallway for the kids. I said, you know, I'll still do Christmas with the kid. I said, she's like, but she's like, I'm just not in the mood. I said, hey, F you in your mood. I said, just, uh, I said, and I gave her a hard time. I said, I said, so what's this with Christmas? She says, oh, I said, Christmas is every day. She said, what, Christmas? Yeah, Christmas is every day. She said, what are you talking about? I said, our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, our Holy Heavenly Father, that came down on this earth to take us, to cleanse us from our sins. He died on the cross for us. That Christmas is every day, right, Mom? And she's like looking at me. I said, "Oh, you mean a oh, you mean Hallmark Christmas? Oh, Santa Claus, ho 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 Christmas! Oh, that fucking Christmas! Oh, that's the one you're talking about! Oh, that one you don't want to do? Oh, that's okay by me too." <laughs> she's like, "Oh fuck! How did I get such an asshole for a son?" You know, <laughs> I guarantee. You. She's like, "Ah, oh, what a schmuck!" <laughs> you know, she's like, "You know what I'm talking about?" I said, "Yeah, I know. The commercial Christmas. I know what you're talking about." I said, "Yes." I said, "You know, I give thanks every day." And I catch myself, man. Yesterday I caught myself. I almost went to sleep without saying thanks to Scott one time that day. And you know, I was just too damn busy. And I said, like, oh, holy shit, call. No, don't you even think about it. Don't even think about it. Tell him thanks to God. You know, don't forget, you know. You know, I'm not saying you got to go down on your knees and like the Mecca and pray towards the west or whatever, east or whatever. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying shit. You know, you guys better remember, man. You're not getting by with your good looks and charms. Trust me. <laughs> I ain't. <laughs> Something's playing this game for me. Something's got me in this game. You know, some reason you guys are listening. So, like I said, you guys better take it seriously, man. That you're one thin hair away from indefinite detention just because somebody says something and there's not an effing thing you can do about it. And uh, like I said, we were all in a fucking panic here about three or four days. You know, it was a shame because I had the guy from Ohio here, and he's a hell of a worker, that little Popeye motherfucker. Oh, yeah, that's going on good with his case, man. Popeye, uh, he looks like a Paul Newman mixed with Popeye. It's really weird. It's it's really funny because you can tell this guy must have gone through a lot of fights in his life. So it's just Paul who got his uh, 
head kicked in all the time, you know. But you know, you know, it's like, damn, you know, this guy looks like Paul Newman. Well, oh, he looks like Jason Paul. Oh man, he's a scrapping dude, you know. He, he must have gone to a lot of fights. So he's a tough fucker. I like him, man. And uh, we get along great, you know. We uh, almost uh, got the blows here, man, on my farm one time, man. It was fucking. I ain't got so mad at somebody in at least ten, twenty years. You know, I've never got so mad at a, at a woman in my life. And, uh, you know, this guy, you know, this guy, man, he, man, I was pissed. I mean, but we had two hurricanes come through here. We were covered in mud. Uh, the, the office trailer was covered in mud. Everything was filthy. The animals were filthy. The, the backhoe was like on a 45-degree angle in the mud. Plus, I wasn't man enough to drive it like his daddy could show him how to drive it. And daddy showed him how to drive it. And, oh, yeah, go ahead, tip my fucking back over, asshole. Because you're a real man, yeah. Blow the fucking hydraulic lines, yeah. That's 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 what Daddy did, huh? Yeah. Oh, oh man, we were going at it. I had to tie it to a tree, so it fucking like going down to like quicksand. I was like, oh Jesus, f. Oh, we were we were furious, man, at each other. What? what but now we we laugh about it, you know. It was good times. <laughs> and uh, but Popeye guy over there, he uh, Sean, he um, put some notices in, and uh, he said to me um, when. Uh, his attorney got it. He said, come on, let's fight, let's fight. Oh, fuck this silly notice shit. Come on, let, let's defend, let's defend. We, we, we'll kick some ass, man. We'll kick some ass now. He says, no, man, we're going to let the notices ride. Fuck that. We're going to let the notice ride. And then notice I wrote for him that, uh, I think I did it from that evening, or, I don't know, I guess you have to go to court, I don't know, nine, ten o'clock, and I wrote from like eight o'clock in the morning. Man, it was fucking great. <laughs> it was great. I mean, when I'm under pressure, boy, I can write some good shit. And uh, usually if you give me a week or two in advance, eh, I'm not that really stoked and doing it. I'm just, eh. But, man, you push me to the last second, oh, boy, I could come with some good stuff. So uh, the, the judge called <coughs> his lawyer in. <coughs> I don't know if he said 20 minutes later, 40 minutes later, his lawyer came out and he said it was shaking like a leaf. He says, man, he says, uh, he wasn't cocky no more, and he wouldn't look at me. And he said, he just would talk to me by looking at my wife, not looking at me. And he said, you better stop this nonsense, man. He says, they, they, they had enough of this this nonsense. He said, they're not putting up with this. And uh, drug charges in the past, he says, uh, you think they dismissed them? Yeah, well, they're going to bring them up against you. Yeah, they dismissed them, but, you know, they could bring them back, and they're going to bring them back. And uh, you're, you know, and now you're going to have to deal with all these drug charges in the past coming at you again. See, that's what I tell you guys. Fuck your dismissal bullshit. Because when they want to fucking use it as extortion against you, they're going to bring it up against you again. So you better get that damn shit discharged. So uh, he's like, he said, oh, that's fine, that's fine. You just let them uh, bring those charges up against me because unless habeas corpus has been suspended in this land, I'm going to require the state of Ohio to take a witness stand and say that I caused the state of Ohio any damage. I'd love to see the state of Ohio swear under oath have that I've done something wrong to the state of Ohio. Go ahead, bring those old charges on. Tell the state of Ohio to bring it on. I'd love to meet the state of Ohio. And I said, you told that to your attorney? He said, you're damn right I did. I said, oh, my God, what a student. What a, what a, oh, oh, that's fantastic. And his lawyer says, I'm out of here. And his lawyer left. And I, it was funny. I told him, you know, you, you got to keep the lawyer. I said, because you got to get the video. Because he said, he uh, said, hey, Cole, uh, I, I want the video of where they pulled me out of the uh, uh, courtroom. And then they dragged me down the hallway, and then they beat the shit out of me in the elevator. <laughs> then they dragged me out of the building and dragged me across the street, and then they threw me in jail, and they had some black guys in the jail cell beat the shit out of me some more. 
And he said to me, it was funny, and that's what I said to him. I said, man, you realize, man, every time those cops hit you on, you know, on video, it's like ka-ching, ka-ching. He's like, yeah, man. He said, that's what it is. He's like, I watched the video now, and I've seen a cop hit me. He's like, ka-ching, ka-ching, more money, more money, more money. I said, that's right. But it's funny that the uh, prosecutor said, well, the city of the county, county said that they were not going to release the video because somehow one of his friends got access to the video, the courthouse video, because he knew somebody in there. And they put it up on cop block or cop watch, and um, they the, this county found out about it, and somehow YouTube they had YouTube put down. So the county said yes to okay, fine. The video does exist, but we're only going to give it to your attorney. So I told them, man, you've got to have an attorney. Go get a fucking attorney. Keep an attorney. So it's like okay. I said until you get the video. Once you get the video, fire the fucker. <laughs> and that's what he did. <laughs> and he said, it's a terrible affair for like an hour, an hour and a half. Don't find me, dude, dude, don't find me. We got this. We'll, we'll make so much money. We'll, you know, we got this, man. We, we'll get, I'm on your side. I'm on your side, pal. You know, we're going to kick their ass. We're going to, you know, we're, we're going to really fucking shake this place off. And he's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. You're fired. And I no, no, man, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. You know, I was like, ah, fuck you. You know, you're going to turn on me. You're going to fucking sell me out. I know you're going to fuck up somehow. You're going to tell the other side what's going on. Fuck you. Get out of here. <laughs> so, uh, he said that uh, two, uh, I think this is, I think it's Harris County. Don't don't quote me on that because I know there's a Harris County in Texas. But I think it's Harris County in Ohio. And uh, it's, and um, he said this two judges are gone. One retired and one, you know, was removed. And two of the prosecutors are facing criminal charges. And he said the state took over the county courthouse. So, like I say, you know, it's going to get silly, you know, when these notices start going after the judge who told the guy, you know, uh, Sean was just sitting on a bench in the courtroom, and his kid was charged with, like, saying you have a big bottle of drugs. And then he gave it to another kid in school who dispersed it into smaller amounts, and the other kid gave it away to whatever, hundreds of kids. So this kid was charged with the big, you know, the, the having like the, like multiple little bottles, and the other kid broke it down and gave it to other bottles. That's what he was charged with. He was like saying, like, say you had a gallon or something, and you give this kid, okay, look, I got a gallon of NyQuil. I got a gallon of cough medicine. And so then he gave the kid, like, the big quantity, and then the other kid, who actually peddled it through the school, was breaking it down into, like, one-ounce bottles of... It was, it was some sort of cough medicine. It's kind of fucking funny and ridiculous that cough medicine is considered, like, a, a narcotic. You know, come on. Hey, if I had some cough medicine right now, I would be coughing right now, would I? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> hey, yeah, why did these kids send me some cough medicine? That's, that's a good question. But anyway... <laughs> If this golf medicine is supposed to be so good, or so criminal, you know, I could use some. Hey, you listening to me uh, up there, Ohio? Send me some golf medicine. <laughs> I heard the kids got some good shit. <laughs> but anyway, the kid gets charged with like a gallon of cough medicine, giving it to another kid who broke it down into ten thousand, you know, little ounces, whatever. So anyway, uh, I don't know how they, well, uh, it, you know, if he was on the show, I'd let him tell you exactly how it went down. But the way I always led to believe from him is that he said, I'm not going nowhere without my kid. I ain't going nowhere without my property. And the judge said, you know, 
you have, you know, I'm ordering you off the third floor. And he says, no, I'm not going nowhere. And he should have said, good, can you put it in writing and sign it? <laughs> but that's before he knew my stuff. And uh, he said that uh, the prosecutor, uh, he said that the judge uh, called the uh, deputies and said, come and get him out of the uh, courthouse, the co- out of the courtroom, out of the third floor. And uh, he's like, I ain't going nowhere. So they pulled him off the bench, and he said he just, he didn't resist. He didn't, he didn't fight. He didn't, uh, you know, he didn't do anything. He said he just let him pull him. You know, he said he just let, he just, you know, let him drag him. He said they dragged me down the hallway, and uh, he says they had beat me up until they got me in the elevator where they figured nobody could see what they're doing to him. And he said, man, they just beat that shit out of me in the elevator. And there's pictures he showed me of him. His face was all fucked up. And uh, it was so funny. He dragged him across the street, and then he said they threw me in a prison cell in a jail cell and told some black guys to beat some sh- beat the shit out of me, and they beat me up some more there. But it was so funny. One of the things we wrote to them was saying, um, Turner was at a notice or a letter. I tell you guys all the time, you got to apologize to the other side because he's being charged. He's actually being charged with assaulting the police officer, which sounds funny. So, especially since it's all on video, and he just laid there and took it. So we had to basically write an apology letter. I was remember, I'm trying to remember if he actually, who he sent this to, because I remember talking about it. I said, look, you've got to apologize that your uh, face got in the way of the policeman's uh, shoes or boots. You, you didn't mean for your face to uh, scuff the policeman's boots, and you didn't mean to, your head to be so hard that it hurt the policeman's knuckles when he was beating your head. You know, with his fist, you didn't, you didn't mean for your face to get in the way of his fist. You know, and maybe next time, you know, I'll turn the other cheek because the other cheek is softer than the other one was, and I'm sorry if he hurt his wrist hitting my other cheek. And, uh, you know, it was funny, like, how we were just basically saying how you have to write an apology letter. You know, and if there's any um, uh, hospital bills, you know, to your, foot, your ankle from kicking me or your, your wrist or your knuckles from hitting me, I'll be more than glad to compensate you if you just tend to me the hospital bill for my face getting in the way of your boot. (laughs) (laughs) So, like I said, we wanted to settle it. You know, and that's how I always do it. You know, just say to the policeman, I'm sorry that your wrist got hurt from my face being in the way of your knuckles. You know, (laughs) I'm sure you're just swinging, you know but you didn't mean to hit me, you know, but I'm sorry my face got in your way of your, of your, of your knuckles and your wrist got hurt. You know, so please just send me the, the bill for the damages of your, you know, hospital stay, you know, because I got a hospital stay too, but, uh, you know, it's 83 stitches across my forehead, you know. I'm sorry, uh, my head, you know, you know, bled, you know, so easily when you, uh, your knuckles accidentally uh, slammed into my skull. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny how I flip it, you know, and it's like, you know, they, they know the other side's reading this saying, he can't be fucking serious, can he? He's supposed to be attacking us. No, 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 I'm, I'm apologizing, I'm apologizing, my foot got in the way, you, my, my face got in the way of your boots. I'm sorry, when you were stomping on me, my, you know, you you weren't intending on stomping on my face, you, you, you were just trying to get some mud off the bottom of your boot, and my face just accidentally happened to be in your way, I'm, I'm sorry about that, you know, or you saw a bug on the floor, and you just, you know, I'll make sure that ant was gonna, you know, wasn't gonna hurt me. So you're trying to stomp on the ant, and my face got your way. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Next time, uh, 
I'll try to make sure my face is in the way of your boots. You know, I apologize when your boots got all scuffed up. I'll, I'll pay for your boots. You know, so it's funny. I mean, how we just laugh about it, you know, after all this stuff happens. And like I said, that's, that's the best thing about all the stuff that goes on is after a week or two goes by, how we could spin around and make them look ridiculous. Like I could do with social services. Now I could tell them, um, now, do you believe me? I have legal custody of my children. Now, do you believe me? I have lawful custody of my children. Now, do you understand that my mom is just a babysitter? Now, do you understand what the fuck I've been trying to talk to you about? Now, you have to deal with me. You know why? Because it's your law. It's your policy. You have to find a legal custodian. You've got to find the lawful fucking parents. Ha, 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 ha. You have to deal with me. And you basically said, get the fuck out of our face. Get the, fu- get the fuck out of here. We don't like you. We're going to fucking bury you. Here, here's two dozen court orders. Here's two cops that hand you all these court orders to show, how many, to show me how much they hate me. They came out of the fucking sheriff's department with two cops carrying all the court orders. Like Gus says to me, hey, so you got a court order, huh? You, you, they ordered you, they gave you like a piece of paper. A piece of paper. This was a mountain of papers they gave me. It was hysterical how much paper they could generate from like 5 o'clock in the afternoon to 12 o'clock the next afternoon. Ha, ha. In less than 24 hours, they could have a mountain of paper because this lady, I guarantee, when I said that to the director, she says, I guarantee she said, get everybody who's here today at 5 o'clock, get every, we're working overtime, ladies, get everybody here. Get every damn charge. Get every damn thing we could tell this guy. Don't see these kids. Don't call these kids. Don't go near the kids. Don't communicate with the kids. Don't email the kids. Don't text the kids. Don't go near their school. Don't try to find. Don't do this. Don't go there. Man, they just made a monster stack of every order. You know, everything was like a la carte. One, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Don't do this. Don't do that. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Hysterical. Now, the woman has to deal with me. Now, they actually sent me a fucking letter. They said Frank Lentz, which is kind of funny. I mean, my name is Carl Lentz. These people are so fucked up. They don't even know my name. You know, they think my name is Frank Lentz. You know, it's funny. It's Carl Lentz. Didn't you watch me on YouTube? But anyway, (laughs) they're saying that there was supposed to be a a meeting yesterday. And see, my mom always tries to just, you know, keep me out of the loop. So she didn't tell me, man, that you got a letter. You know, so uh, so since I didn't show up, they didn't have the meeting. So, uh, but it was funny if they, you know, I'm going to call them up and say, uh, yeah, I got this fucking letter, and uh, I just got it today. And today's 17th. I said we have a meeting on 15th. Um, we could have a meeting today. Or do you want to do a meeting on Monday? When do you ladies want to do a meeting? I was like, yeah, yeah, we got a meeting, and I'm sorry that we uh, I couldn't make it because I just got it today because you addressed it to Frank Lentz. And uh, I couldn't open it because, you know, I don't know who it was for. My mom said she opened it, and she realized, you know, they must have made a mistake. Obviously, they must have met you, call. So whether it was a deliberate mistake or an accidental mistake, you know, they uh, wrote Frank Lentz. And uh, so what's funny is I'm going to call these lovely ladies up tomorrow and say, hey, I got this thing called... Uh, um, let's get the Kumbaya meeting fucking, and let's see if we can work something out, fucking paperwork. So, yes, let's uh, have a little fucking meeting, and let's see if we can work this out. And I'm going to love it. And say, uh, 
They say, oh, you want to have a little meeting? Oh, yes, I'd, I'd love to have a little fucking meeting with you people. Let, let's do this. Oh. And when they do it, I would say, make sure the director's there. Make sure the head director lady's there. And when she's there, I'm going to give her all these damn fucking orders that she gave me. And I'm going to say, oh, man, am I in full compliance with all your orders? Have I lived up to all your orders, to your full expectation? Have I satisfactorily completed all of your orders? Because you have no jurisdiction, control, authority over me. You do know that, man. You do know I, 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 I came to you weeks ago, and I clearly stated to you without a shadow of a doubt that you're t- when you see me, you see man. So, did I, as man, carry out all your orders to your satisfaction? Am I, have, I, have I fully complied with everything that you ordered? Good. Now, here's your bill. You're going to say you're doing the building again. Oh, you better believe it. It ain't stopping. I'm carrying out your orders every damn day. I hope I'm in full compliance. So, are you going to turn that which is mine now? Or do you wish to keep pursuing this? I don't want to see what she's got to say. I can't wait for them to say something like, well, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get everybody together as a, as a group here, like as a big kumbaya fucking committee here, and we're all going to think what's best, what's best for the children. Well, I know what would best be best for you and the Commonwealth <coughs> and the county is to give me back, which is mine, and walk away. <coughs> and hopefully I'll be too busy doing other productive stuff in my life to come around and make claims of damages for everything that you've been doing for the past three weeks. How about we start with that? How about you just give me back which is mine, and you turn around and you walk away, and you hope the nightmare's over. How's that? How about we start with that? How does that sound like a plan? <laughs> I'm going to love to see what they got to say to that. <laughs> say, well, if you don't want to work with us, I say us. I'm talking to you directly, Anita. There is no us here. There's you and me, Anita. You're the one who created all these orders. You're the one who took the children into custody. Nobody else in this room did. You. I see your name on every damn thing. So, how do you want to do it? You want to return that which is not yours? Or do you wish to keep it? What do you wish to do? It's up to you, ma'am. You got the guns, like you said. You got the sheriff's department. You got a mountain of paperwork. Go ahead. How do you wish to proceed? I just got paper, pen, and ink, and I'll just keep creating bills. That's all I get. That's all I'm going to keep doing. I'm going to pursue this through the courts. So it should be fun. So, like I said, I just basically... I just basically wanted to keep everybody up to speed. You know, when... uh, just tell a lot of those uh, naysayers, you know, who, um, who, um, said, oh, Carl, you, you lost custody of your kids years ago. They, yeah, right. You know, sure I did. You know, and also the nonsense, you know, and how what's going on with Frank. And like I said, uh, I don't have his, um, somebody put it on the chat board, one of the, Somebody put it on real early in the show. And um, and that's why I said to people all the time, you know what? I should uh, tell people who uh, send something to Frank, you know, I'll give you a free DVD 
And then all of a sudden, I bet a whole shitload of people, a whole shitload of people will start uh, sending stuff to Frank. You know, it's pretty funny. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's funny, man, because, yeah, still thousands of people download my show every week. And uh, it's just funny, man. If everybody gave a dollar, man, you know, life would be good. But that ain't going to happen. Oh, it's funny. Somebody wrote me an email today, and I'm reading some emails now. And he said, uh, I've been listening to your show religiously. It's funny, religiously. For three months now, he says, and he got busted with, like, marijuana in his truck or his car or whatever. And he's the sole breadwinner in his house. And he says, uh, I'll, you know, if you help me call, I'll donate. And I wrote back to him and said, what? If I help you, you'll donate? Wait a second. For three months now, I've been helping you. Where's the donation for the last three months of help? And he just wrote back, like, laugh. He's like, okay, okay, fine. You did help me for the last three months. I said, you damn right I did. I've been helping you. I've been helping you get your mind right. And he's like, oh, but until you physically do something for me, call like me personally, you know, then I'll give you 20 bucks. I was like, oh, it's too funny. But yeah, but right now, I don't, you know, it just makes you laugh. You know, people say, well, you know, I've been listening to you for six months or a year, and, you know, and, but if you help me, I'll, I'll donate. I got this problem. I was like, dude, you just, you just, like, confessed or, you know, lied or whatever, saying, I haven't helped you for the last six months of the year? Well, okay, technically, yes. But, you know, come on now, really. I mean, now I got a speeding ticket, now I got a parking ticket, now I got a marijuana charge on me. Now now I really need your help. Oh, okay, until then it was just, like, helping but not really helping. So, um... You know, I went to the edge of the fields, and I'm just calling for the dog. Part of me is thinking, I should have grabbed them when they were going out to the ponies. Usually, you take down the mom or the dad, and all the other puppies follow. But for some reason, I didn't see Fox and the crew, so I let him go. I should have concentrated to see if, if Fox was part of the crew and grabbed Fox. But he ain't never left the property. So that's why, uh, you know, when we lived up in the mountains, he could run for miles. And I, I didn't worry about him. I had a tracking collar on him up there. But here we're more near a farm, near surrounded by suburbs. We're like the last farm. Well, it's weird. It's like we got a big high school complex and an elementary and middle school complex. And then we got uh, suburbs and apartments and mobile home parks, and then we got the farm, and then you keep going down the road, and it turns to um, subdivision, you know, so it's kind of funny, you know, we're the only farm in the middle of, <laughs> it just looks stupid, <laughs> you know, at one time, this was a great place to have a, a farm, now we, it looks like a sore thumb, you know, like, what the hell is this farm doing in the middle of this, <laughs> you know, when you see an aerial view of it, like, Okay, <laughs> that's around it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not a good place to let a dog like fox who ran from, you know, miles up in the mountains loose. So part of me is thinking maybe somebody got him. He's got a collar on him. He's got a leash. So maybe somebody found him and and uh, they'll bring him to the animal shelter in the mall 
Well, it's not as they keep him. He got a female pregnant and on another board of Kelly pregnant. So hopefully she'll pop out a whole bunch and uh, hopefully one will look just like him. So if he goes down, and I was like, it's a shame, but, you know, I don't cry about it. I say, oh, well, that's what God wants. If that's what God wants. That's what it is, man. I take loss really good for some reason. I'm really good at loss. I'm, you know, I guess because I lost so much my whole life that if you just sit around and dwell about it and you pity yourself, you say to yourself, uh, you know, you're not, it's not productive. So you say to yourself, like if a dog gets hit by a car or, you know, one of your animals die, your kids or something like that happens. You know, like I said, when uh, my kid had Downs, and I don't know, what, I, honestly, I really didn't know what Downs was. I knew what mongolism was. I know what mongoloid was. I really didn't know what Downs was. I heard of the word, but in 2000, you know, I, know, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody go down. <clears throat> so when they told me, you know, I had a boy, obviously I was happy, you know, you know, first uh, once to have a boy, you know, who knows how many years, like four years. You know, I was like, oh boy, I can teach him how to throw a baseball and work on cars and motorcycles and all that other good shit. And then they said he had downs. I was like, eh. They said, how do you feel about that? I said, well, I said, uh, to what level? I said, I know there's different levels of mongolism. They said, oh, we don't call it mongolism. A mongoloid, we call it down. They said, yeah, well, that's what I call it. They said, well, no, that's, you know, it's very hurtful towards people from Mongolia. I said, well, I don't think there's any Mongolians in this room, so I think that we're safe. And then, uh, like, the mom said, what What are you talking about? She said, he's got down. She said, what's that? I said, mongoloid. You know, Mongolian, mongoloid. He's going with mongoloid. And she just, like, one tear came out of her eye. And they said, well, how do you feel about it, Mr. Lenz? I said, well, God doesn't give me any more than I can't handle. I said, they said, well, he might be deaf, dumb, blind, and crippled. I said, well, then God must think I'm one hell of a tough son of a bitch to handle a deaf, dumb, blind, crippled kid. They said, well, you know, what are you going to do to take care of him? How are you going to provide? They said, well, we got a farm. And I said, I know a room upstairs that faces the east for the sunshine in the morning and west for the sunset. I said, We'll put him in a wheelchair, and he'll face the sunrise, and at night he'll face the sunset. I said, if he's no more than a vegetable, that's fine. Because God doesn't give me any more than I can't handle. So God must think of one hell of a tough son, a bitch, to have a kid like that. So they're like, wow, we never heard anybody describe it like that. I said, well, that's the way you got to live life. You can't cry about everything. you just got to take what God, God gives you. you got to make the best of it. I said, that's the only way you're going to get through this crazy world. I said, you can't cry and whine about shit. Shit happens for a reason. And that's what I say to people. I said, you know this mongoloid kid is going to change the world. I said, it's funny. He might not be a Jesus Christ-looking kid, or he might not be whatever. But if this kid was born perfect, I wouldn't be here today. You guys wouldn't be listening today. So I said, that some mongoloid kid is going to change the world. I said, that's pretty incredible. Who would have figured a Downs kid would have this power to do what he's doing? So that's why God put him in my life. I didn't know at the time why. And that's why I told the social workers, nurses and doctors, I didn't know why. I said, but we'll soon find out. You know, when the game gets played, we'll find out why. He is what he is. 
you know, we'll find out what's going on soon enough. <coughs> like I said, if you're just a normal, happy, average boy, eh, he would have grown up like me. He would have been okay. Nothing special. You know, just a guy. But holy cow. You know, who would have figured that all this would have happened? I wouldn't have figured it. You know, I just, you know, I thought Alabama was going to give me a little bit of shit because I wasn't going to sign the paperwork. But I didn't know they'd take it to this level because the game would get to this extreme. You know, I thought they'd give us a little bit of crap. But nothing like this. And nothing that the way uh, I'd be throwing people all over the freaking world. Like we say to people, like, you know, my sister would tell you, you know, she always uh, just called me the simple man all the time. You know, she's like, man, that, that Leonard Skinner song, man, it's perfect for you. You're simple. I said, that's right. Said, I said, I never wanted nothing. Just to live old and get to die and call it a lifetime, man. I said, I had plenty of excitement before I was 20. I don't need no more excitement in my life. I could tell stories just about from the age of like five years old to 20. Gotta make a hell of a fucking movie. I said, I had a hell of a, look. hell of a, you know, upbringing in New York City. In the 1970s, it was a hellhole. It was a lot of fun. The shit that I did, the shit that I seen, the shit that happened, fantastic. They actually made like a like a documentary. They like said 1977, you know, the the year of hell or something like that. New York City, the year of hell. Or well, you know, it was, it, was, it was a good documentary, and it was a blast. You know, being a teenager in those years, you know, because you didn't realize, you know that this wasn't normal. You know, you grew up in it, you, you think it was normal. Looking back at it, oh, hell no, I would not want to live through that again. Oh, hell no. I am so glad. New York City's Disney World now. Oh, hell no. But when you're growing up in that culture, in that environment, you think it's normal. And you just make the best of it. And you just roll with the flow. And, you know, <laughs> and you don't think it's bad. You think it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of excitement. Not boring. That's the shit, sure. All kinds of crazy shit is happening. I mean, it was funny. It was like the, I think that was the year the Son of Sam killer guy was going around. And all the women were like going around bold and crew cuts because they, uh, uh, they were told in the news that this guy likes long-haired women and that for some reason he's killing long-haired women. So all the women in New York City was funny, man. They were chopping their hair off, going bold, getting crew cuts. You know, it's just, it was just, you know, you say, well, how does that fun call it? Everybody was in a panic. It's like, I don't know, man. But when you're a kid and you've seen all this crazy shit, you know, like I don't see anybody, you know, like, well, call 9-11 happened, so everybody, everybody cut their hair off. They're like, no. I mean, these women were actually going around cutting all their hair off. You know, it's like, what? Yeah, it's crazy. Why? Ah, they're all scared shitless. That they were going to get shot with the, you know, the 44 caliber or 45 caliber, whatever killer, whatever he was called. You know, he was he was going to kill everybody. You know, so, uh, I don't know. And then Disco was hitting big time and Studio 54 and all the cocaine and all the drugs and, oh, it's just insane. You know, it's just a hellhole. You know, but like I said, you know, being a teenager, I was like, holy shit, man, this is exciting. Look at this crazy shit, you know. You know, like, uh, you know, uh, go down, uh, not 
up down on the West Side Highway, man. You go down there and you see thousands and thousands and thousands of, like, women basically walking around naked, you know, like, whores running around. I mean, it's like, holy crap. Look at this, like a meat market down here. Holy shit. You know, let's hang up behind the bus terminal. Holy crap. He's like, who who needs a VCR? Who needs a porn video? Holy cow, we get to see real live action. Here in all the loading docks. This is this is great. You know, we get who like popcorn and pretzels and just like walking around watching the freak shows. <laughs> you know, like, this is great, man. This is better than a circus. <laughs> this is crazy. You know, I'm serious. It was just it was just ridiculous. <clears throat> so like I said, it's uh it's the culture. <clears throat> It's like what's going to happen. Like I said, if people start to figure this out, and people just like uh, like the, the guy Vital said, you know, I didn't know that that thing an article I sent to Gus was what happened to Vital a year ago. I thought it happened to Vital this week. Somebody sent it to me about Vital, you know, uh, bumping a cop with his minivan. You know, uh, obviously the cop played it up, saying you know he hit me with his car or hit me with his minivan, ran into me with his minivan. I'm sure the guy just was trying to get Vital's license plate or VIN numbers and Vital's like, I ain't got time for this fucking clown. And he decided to just fucking leave. He said, you know, probably hit him with his mirror or something like that. So Vital got arrested for whatever, assault, battery, whatever, on a police officer with his vehicle. So, uh, like I said, if people are going to start having an attitude like Vital, you know, like, ah, fuck the cop, you know, just fucking run him over, you know, screw this guy. You know, then the cops ain't going to want to be cops no more. And then it's just going to get silly out there. And then, like, somebody like a Vital just say, well, we want, I'm just going to park here at Walmart parking lot, uh, right here at the front door. And it's like, the only problem, Vital, is that some little old lady or some three-year-old kid comes running out behind you, uh, in front of your minivan, and the guy behind you doesn't see it because you're blocking his view. This guy's going to, okay, so he's going five miles an hour, you know, through the parking lot. He's going to run over this little three-year-old kid that darts out from the front of your minivan. Or he's going to run over this, like, you know, 80-year-old lady who's four feet tall because he couldn't see her walking in front of your minivan. So when a cop tells you to move away from the damn front door of Walmart, instead of saying, I got a cranky baby, and, uh, Say, not a problem, sir. I'll take my cranky baby to this end of the parking lot. You know, and I'll keep an eye on the front door for the mom to come out. Whatever. I mean, what what a stupid excuse. I got a cranky baby. Here, you cranky fucking baby. You know, what have somebody, some three, four-year-old kid comes toddling through here, and a guy who's rolling two, three, four, five miles an hour doesn't see the three-year-old, but he's going super slow, but doesn't see him because you're blocking the view. But the people coming in and out of the fucking store, mostly coming out of the store. You know, how are you going to compensate that driver for running over the three-year-old? Or how are you going to compensate that three-year-old's family? You're going to say, hey, man, I got insurance. Well, hey, man, uh, I didn't tell that guy to go two miles an hour through the parking lot. He should have been going one mile an hour through the parking lot. I didn't tell that three-year-old kid to walk across the street. The mama should have been holding his hand. I didn't tell that 80-year-old lady... To uh, we'll have a walker and a cane. She should have been in a fucking uh, in a wheelchair, a motorized wheelchair. You know that kind of guy's gonna come up with a fucking million excuses how it wasn't his fault. Like, dude, you were blocking a fucking entrance with your fucking car. You know, 
So, like I said, people are just going to be arrogant and say, well, I got constitutional rights, and I can block the fucking parking lot if I want to, because I, I know one of the Kennedys, and I'm a registered devoter, and I'm a man, and, and I can do whatever I wish. Like, holy sweet Jesus. You know, give this guy a little bit of a brain power, a little bit of belief that he's a man and he can do as he wants, and that cop's just his public servant, and all holy hell's going to break loose. You know, it's like, oh, Jesus, F. You still got something called, you know, a social contract. You still have a duty and an obligation, you know, when you step onto the public to have a, a, an idea of what's expected of you within your community. Your community has certain standards and certain rules. You can't just be walking around singing show tunes, running around buck naked in the street, saying, well, God created man in his image, so you don't like the image of naked man? Too bad. Deal with it. Because I'm going to run around naked, and if I want to sing show tunes, I'm going to sing show tunes. And if I want to carry a fucking three-foot sword, I'm going to carry a three-foot sword and swing it around. Because you know what? Makes me fucking happy. I was like, holy shit, dude. You're in, you're in the public. You're not in the private. There's a social contract that we have with our fellow man. To not fucking breach the peace. To not scare the living but Jesus out of each other. With your fucking insane fucking behavior. Well, they might think it's insane, but I think it's normal. Hey, dude. You know what? It's crazy. You know, and you can't be doing this shit. You know, and, you know, people want me to, you know, stand up for people's rights to carry, uh, you know, uh, M14s or whatever they want to call them, uh, AK-47s and, you know, in, you know, carry a nuclear bomb down the street in a fucking golf cart. You know, like, oh, I got a nuclear bomb, dude. I don't care what the hell I want. I built that baby. It's all mine. It's my property. Like, holy shit, dude, you can, but keep it in the private. Nobody want to see your privates in the public. You know, keep your privates... Zip it up. Nobody wants to see your privates in the public. You know, behave yourself. Cover it up. <laughs> you know, and uh, like I say to people all the time here, just like with Frank and uh, the kids, I, like I said that to the social service and I said that to the cops, I said, wait a second. Are you telling me Frank didn't have sex with my kid? No, Frank didn't have sex with your kid. Are you telling me that Frank wasn't naked with my kid? No, the girl never seen Grandpa naked. Are you telling me the girl was naked? Well, no. Okay, let me get this straight. But you charged him with production of child pornography and nobody had their clothes off. What is your definition of pornography? How could you have child pornography and nobody's naked? I said, well, let me make it even a little bit more extreme for you here, Mike. What happened if this family, once you leave the road and you're in a private little farm over here, what happened if we were practicing nudists? What if Grandpa was a nudist? What happened if the grandkids were nudists? Well, what, how would, how, what would he be charged with when you see thousands and thousands of naked pictures of him and her frolicking a pool, throwing each other around, slapping each other on the ass? What would that be considered? And if they're nudists if their beliefs and their policy and their practices and their culture says that nudism is okay because God created us in God's image and we just feel like running around buck-ass naked over here, 
playing with each other, hugging each other, and there's thousands of fucking pictures of the kids and grandma and grandpa naked all over the hallway. All over the hallway. Oh, look, there, there's the uncle. Oh, the uncle was a little excited that day. Oh, he's, he's packing a little bit of wood. But, what are you going to fucking say? Oh, what kind of images are those? I said, this, this, is, this is ridiculous. Who are you to fucking tell anybody what they can and cannot do in the private? Who the fuck are you to tell anybody how they can and cannot live? I said, you're telling me there was no sex. Now you're telling me there's pictures, but now there's no pictures. You're saying there was no photo, there was no, 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 no nakedness. What's child pornography? So like I said, I, I can only imagine, man, that they're like, look, Carl, this was supposed to be so simple and easy. You were just supposed to let him plead to one count of indecent liberties. He was supposed to get time served, one year unsupervised probation. He wasn't allowed to come back home until the kids were 18. And he was just supposed to take counseling classes and be on a sexual predator list for the rest of his life. This was supposed to be so easy for him. This is just like cookie cutter stuff. In, out, boom, boom, we process them, make a shitload of money, we go on with our lives. Why do you got to fuck this up, Carl? Why do you got to make this more complicated than it is? This is an easy, quick, money-making, you know, process. Nobody gets hurt. Grandpa just goes to jail for a while. Whoopie-doo, boo-hoo, and we all make a little bit of money. What's the problem, Carl? I said, because it's just fucking evil. I was like, oh, he's just collateral damage. That's exactly what they fucking called me. In Alabama, they call me fucking collateral damage. And I was a guy that I actually liked, and a guy who was a judge, and a really good guy. He says, look, Cole, honestly, you're just collateral damage. You know, nobody fucking actually cares about you as a man. Nobody gives a shit about you. You're not one of us. You're not from Alabama. You know what? You're just collateral damage. So you're expendable. You know, so if you lose your kids and lose your life and lose everything you ever worked for and you're homeless and eating out of a garbage barrel, you know, honestly, nobody cares because it's not happening to them. It's not happening to somebody from Alabama. We don't fucking care about the call. I like, uh-huh. Well, I guess we're going to have to show you why you should fucking care about your fellow man and that we're not collateral damage and we're not expendable and we're not part of your little fucking program. Just like my Uncle John, just because he was a... Um, uh, what is it called? Uh, my mom called say that he was not a, you know, he was a, a runt. And he actually, I know he was at least six feet tall, but because I, last time I saw him, I was probably about 12. Him and his uh, daughter moved in with us for a while when his wife died. Um, so they, they stayed with us for a while. So I remember uh, my cousin, you know, had to live with us for a while because, uh, you know, her, his, her dad, her uncle had, uh, my uncle had to go to work. He worked in New York City, so he didn't want to leave her because uh, in New York City alone. So he brought her out to the country by us. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I'm going to walk towards the house now. And that fox dog comes around. That's great. If not, oh, well, like I said, uh, the mom's fucking pregnant. <laughs> <clears throat> and hopefully uh, she'll pop out one that looks just like him. So I thought he'd come back tomorrow. Or, like I said, I had a beautiful love. Um, I, I think uh, Gus might have seen my sister's uh, border collie. She was John beautiful. People would stop in the street just to take pictures of the dog. My sister said it's getting a little annoying. And people just want to take pictures of the dog. Well, she got out from the fence. And uh, 
she never returned. Somebody obviously kept her. And uh, they weren't going to return her. So, like I said, if somebody keeps Fox, I don't blame him because he's a damn good dog. But um, obviously, I wouldn't want somebody to keep him. But, you know, it's just luck of it all. Somebody be decent, give him back, or, or not. And realize he's a border collie and he's valuable and down the road he'll go. But like I said, thank God I got a, you know, four other puppies of his. And they're, they're good dogs. They don't look like him. Uh, they look more like the mom. But they're black and white like him, but they're short haired like the mom. And, uh, and then she's pregnant with a who knows how many more she's got up the side of her. So it'll work out all right. I said, God gives and God takes away. You know, for whatever reason, who knows? You don't fight it. You don't cry about it. You just say, who knows, man? There's got to be a reason why this is happening. And you just run with it. You just say, hey, man, kid's got downs. Yeah, and Ain't that horrible? Mm, I don't know. It could be the most wonderful thing that ever happened. Why? I don't know. I haven't lived through the story yet. I haven't seen the ending. I don't know why. But this could be the most wonderful thing that ever happened. Well, only time will tell. And they were like, wow, man, we ain't never heard anybody come up with that kind of answer. Because they were trying to get me to institutionalize him immediately. They were like, well, you know, if he's too much for you guys to handle, since he's going to be deaf, dumb, blind, and crippled, we can immediately put him right into a state institution. We can institutionalize him immediately. They said, it's no shame, you know. Almost every parent institutionalizes their Downs child immediately. And even Sarah Palin said that. She said if it wasn't for her husband, she would have uh, aborted uh, whatever his little name is, Trog or Trey, whatever his name was, the little Downs boy that Sarah Palin has, she said that she would have uh, aborted him. But uh, her husband convinced her not to abort him. And she said it was like the great thing that she didn't abort him because the kid actually helped pull the family together and helped them, uh, you know, concentrate on, you know, other than just worrying about themselves. You know, actually it was a gift to their family made him stronger to, to pull together to help a, a handicapped kid. So, uh, like I said, my uh, wife got pregnant the second time then, and they were going to give her an embryonic uh, uh, and pull out some fluid out of her to see if the, if, if, uh, the girl was going to be a, a down girl. So I said to my wife, said, oh, fuck no, you're not going to, I said it was bad enough that you found out if it was a boy or girl. I said, because uh, you can't eat chickens before. I said, now that uh, you want to find out if it's got downs or not, you want to check its genetic sequence or its genetic code, is you want to check? I said, that's kind of fucking evil. I said, you basically just got to let deal with whatever God gave you you know, good or bad, you know, with luck in the draw. I said, because what happens if it's genetically, you know, dispositioned to uh, be a mass murderer? Because it's got certain trait markers, and they say we better abort it. Because it's 99% fucking probability it's going to be a mass murderer when he, she grows up. I said, you can't play fucking God. So she's like, well, I'm going to go get the test done. I said, oh, fuck, no, you won't. She said, uh, I said, you got an abortion before you met me. I said, I'll be damned if you're going to kill one of my motherfucking kids. She's like, well, what down? She's down. She said, fuck you. I said, I'll have two down kids. I said, I'll have three down kids. I'll have a hundred down kids. 
So I ain't killing fucking my kids. You're out of your fucking mind. I said, I don't know what a fucking planet you came from. I said, I don't know if it's an Alabama fucking thing where people just go around and kill fuckers. I said, I'm from New York. We don't fucking play that game. So she's like, well, I'm going to go get it tested. So this was like, hey, it's funny. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning. And it's so funny. I, uh, she had a white, like a 94, 95 fucking Camaro. And she got in her car and she started to fucking uh, pull out of the driveway. And I jumped behind the car. I said, run me over. She said, what? Run me over. Run me over, motherfucker. Just kill me. She said, oh, stop being so dramatic. I said, I ain't being fucking dramatic. I said, you ain't killing my kid. I won't be able to fucking look myself in the face if, if I let you kill my kid. I'd rather fucking be dead than knowing that I let you fucking kill my kid. I said, it ain't gonna happen. You just might as well kill me. Because I can't live knowing that you killed my kid and I didn't do something about it. And this is all I could do to try to stop you by jumping behind your car. Because if I ran to the passenger, if I ran to the driver's door and tried to smash the window out, she would just put the car in fucking gear and hightail it out of there. So I realized, it's like, oh, shit, the windows are closed, the door's locked, what am I going to do? Ah, fuck it, run me over. So she's like, okay, fine, fine, I'll, you know, I'm not going to go get tested, fine. I said, like you promised? She's like, yeah, I promise, I'm going to get tested. I said, you just deal with whatever God gives us? She said, yeah, I promise you. So I was like, fine. So then I went to work, she went to work. I swear to God, it was funny. A week later, she goes, yay, the test results came back. The baby's not going to have downs. I said, oh, you bitch. I said, you went and got tested anyway. She said, you're damn right. Yeah, yeah, I promise you everything in the fucking world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, yeah, yeah, we'll run your ass over. All I had to do was wait for your stupid ass to get the fuck up. I told you I was going to work. Yeah, I stopped down in the fucking hospital anyway. I said, oh, you bitch. I said, I know what you would have done. If the baby fucking had downs, you would have fucking uh, got an abortion immediately. And you would have came home and told me, oh, Carl, uh, I had a terrible accident. I had a miscarriage. I fell down or I... I burped too hard, and and the, and the baby died by accident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, I said, yeah. Uh-huh. I said, you bitch. I, I would have believed her. I probably would have believed her. I said, well, you didn't go get that test done, did you? And she would have went, no, no, I didn't get that test done. I wouldn't do that. And I would have fucking believed her. And, you know, it was too funny. So like I said, man, you know, this is the lifestyle. You know, you just got to live a certain way. You have certain sort of ethics and codes and beliefs. Just like I said with this cop, Mike Bunis, it's like, Mike, come on, man. you got to have some sort of morals and ethics and standards, man. You can't just be fucking lying. It's like, well, look, what's the worst that's going to happen? He's going to get three, five months in jail. You know, we're going to sweat, you know, he's going to sweat a little bit. You know, he's going to fucking, uh, you know, eventually just give in and say, fine, I'll take the, the one count of indecent liberties. And, you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll fucking live with it the rest of my life, you know. I'll just get back on my tractor trailer and drive off to the sunset. County makes money. Sheriff's Department makes money. You know, he'll get a promotion because he got another felon. I'm like, yeah, right. So, uh, hey, it's 1141. What time I start the show? Seven? How come this called in? Are we still on there, I guess? Are we still uh, broadcasting, man? Yeah, we're still on. We still got uh, probably five minutes left before the recording shuts itself off. Yeah, because I started this at seven, so uh, it should be over in nineteen minutes at the most. Do you, do you think anybody wants to ask me anything, man? Uh, hold on. 
Oh. <clears throat> if uh, if you want to talk to Carl, put your uh, hand up, star eight. Yes, I'm glad this was. I don't talk about call. You know, I don't want to be doing no marathon calls no more, man. Go ahead, Bob. Mr. Carl Lance. It's Bob Tynes from Colorado. How you doing, Bob? Pretty good. So, we're not really, I don't have any cases or nothing going on. I just, you know, I had my stepson in jail. And, uh, you know, then the guy at the grocery store was messing with my wife, and I wanted to sue the grocery store, hold them responsible for oh, damage. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, that was a funny answer I gave you. Yeah, I remember that. That was funny. And then, then I called you on the phone, and uh, you had put on the chat for me to call you. And you remember the call? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty, well, I'm saying it was funny, man. I remember that, yeah. And that's when you told me you're straight as an arrow, you don't drink a drop, you don't smoke, and you think these guys in Colorado that, that uh, grow the pot and smoke and all this stuff, and you were yeah. telling me about they remind you of a car dealer or something. Hey, remember that? Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob, this is Gus. You got any questions for Carl about his kids? No, like, like I said... Them? Oh yeah, this is, yeah. Do, do, you want to, do you want to ask me about uh, like I said, uh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, I don't think of smoke, but I press on the flame sometimes. Yeah, I understand. But uh, <laughs> but you, you know, I think you're 100 percent right with your with this case going on with your stepdad uh, and stuff. I feel it too. I've had women do the same thing to me. Call the cops and say I pinched their butt, and then they throw you in jail. Um, you know, so. I kind of have a feeling that you're right. I'm with you all the way, man. I think Angela's wrong. Okay, well, that's yeah. all. Oh, no problem, Bob, man. I don't mind talking to you. Huh? No, no, I don't mind. I don't mind talking. I don't mind caring what you got. That's cool. Just like I said, I think I am. I mean, like I said to the people, I said, look, honestly, I got no affection for this guy, Frank. I mean, if he dropped dead and died, when I was gone for 10 years, 7 years, I don't know if I would have came back here for his funeral. You know, I didn't call him daddy. We didn't go to the park and play on the swings and shit like that. You know, I was like 19 years old when he met my mom. You know, I was already had my life going, you know, had his life going. You know, we weren't like uh, bosom buddies. You know, we didn't like rides together and shit like that. Just as big a man as I was when I was 19. I mean, I was a man, you know. And he needed fucking help somebody welding a greenhouse with him. I went welding with him. You know, I wasn't no cupcake. You know, he wasn't a cupcake. You know, we were men. You know, we we weren't we weren't little Nancy boys. We didn't have to trouble. You know, he was banging my mom. And he was like, "Okay, can you bang my mom?" You know, I you know do whatever you fucking want. You got adults. I'm an adult. You know, do whatever you want. Like I said, but there's there's no like daddy kind of shit. I never called him. Dad. I was going Frank. He's a couple of years older than me. And I looked at him as a dad. Period. I asked him questions. Unless it had something to do with it. You're breaking up real bad, Carl. 
Yeah, steam fitting or welding. <laughs> if I needed a steam welding question, not a steam fitting question, or a welding question, pipe you know, something like that, sure. You told me to do pipe threading. But no, no, not to, you know, like daddy. You know, somebody says that he's a stepdad to go over. That's funny. Daddy. Yeah, he's like daddy. Yeah, maybe daddy. My well, daddy was, do you think, what do you think? Do you think he did it? I mean, what does your gut say? Do you do you, do you trust the dad? I think it sounded to me like you trusted the guy more than your daughter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no about that. Oh, yeah. Like I said, because I know that. I've known it since I was 19. You know, yeah. and all I know about the girl is that, my, my, like my sister said, uh, she has a, she had a Game Boy up in New York, and she came down here a couple months later, and my daughter was playing with a Game Boy. And my sister said, oh, wow, you know, that looks just like mine. And she said uh, to my daughter, where did you get that from? And she said, oh, my friends at school gave it to me. And she said, oh, boy, can I play it?